Instead of syncing your phone with iTunes, downloading an MP3 into your mobile device, you can stream episodes of MTR with the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Stitcher allows you to listen to My Take Radio via your 4G, 3G, or Wi-Fi connections. Downloading it is quick and easy. Head over to stitcher.com forward slash my take and you'll even be eligible to win some money. Enter my take all one word in the promo box and you'll be eligible to win $100 courtesy of my take radio and Stitcher. MTR Live starts right now. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 175, for Thursday, February 28th, 2013. Our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. So here we have it, ladies and gents, episode 175. I'm actually proud of this milestone for a few different reasons. Number one. We're only 25 episodes away from MTR 200, which is huge, all, all its own. MTR 200, I, I want to do something big. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm definitely looking to do something great for our 200th episode. So that'll be here before you know it. I'm also happy because, you know, 175 episodes, especially for a lot of guys that start out podcasting, these guys, they do their shows and sometimes. They get burned out by the 10th or 20th episode. I was actually guilty of that when we started the show in 2006. I got burned out just because I was doing pretty much the equivalent of this, you know, two and three hours of audio in a clip, usually once a week or twice a week. Sometimes twice a week would be six hours, and I'd release it in in increments, but still, it was just very, very time-consuming. Things have come a long way since then, and because of it, it's it, it's just motivated me to keep you guys not only entertain but to just keep you guys informed as best as we can so i'm actually very proud of this milestone and you know there's a few things tonight that i gotta let you guys know about we are testing out a brand new mixer a mackie pro effects 12 compliments of andrew zarian from the gfq network so hopefully um if the audio is super clear or if there are any issues i invite you guys in the chat to let me know what the deal is that way I can make adjustments. This mixer, definitely a lot more advanced. It doesn't have little knobs like the Alesis, um mixer I was using does. It actually has sliders, so that'll allow me to tweak the audio very, very easily. I'm very happy about that because nothing was more annoying than if I had to, you know, burp or 
cover my, you know, sneeze or whatever. I couldn't mute the, the channels, but now I actually can. I just got to remind myself that if I mute the channel to unmute it so you guys can hear me. So it's a bit of a learning curve, but, um, nonetheless, I'm glad, I'm glad we're testing out some new equipment. Uh, we also hopefully, and I know, I know a lot of people have been asking, uh, Slick was kind enough to get me this past Christmas, a Logitech C920, which is joining my Microsoft LifeCam camera. So I am going to attempt within the next three, within the next two to three weeks, I am going to attempt to do MTR on video. I'm going to simulcast it as a Google through YouTube, and I'm going to try my hand at video since everybody keeps breaking my balls to do it. And I got to really get comfortable in front of the camera. MTR will probably test out video within the next two to three weeks. Once I set up, um, you know, I want to try and do green screen and stuff like that. We'll see. So it can make me standing in, inside a volcano or sitting inside, you know, just a, a, the bat cave. So it's a work in progress. I know a lot of you guys are pumped for that. And I know the guys at GFQ have been on my ass about jumping a video. So. It's going to happen two weeks, maybe three at best. You may start seeing me set up some Google Hangouts and some stuff just to get comfortable in front of the camera until we pull the, 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 the trigger officially. So there you have it. That's the, that's the big 175 announcement. Also, I was expected to be joined this evening by Green Ranger, Red Ranger, White Ranger, Mixed Martial Artist, Guinness World Record holder Jason David Frank seems that we have had some issues with regards to setting up tonight's interview. Um, everything was a go. He gave me a number to text message him. I text messaged the number, called the number, and it was a fax machine. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where we're at. I actually did email him last night reminding him that we had the interview today, but this is what happens. Shit falls through the cracks. I apologize, but we're going to try and get with him and hopefully reschedule it for next week. As always, stay tuned to our Facebook fan page and also to the site for confirmation. In addition to that, I actually had something very cool happen today. I'm a big fan of Star's Spartacus TV show, and I just looked on my Twitter and found out I am being followed by Dustin Clare, who is the actor that plays Gannicus on Spartacus. Needless to say, uh, wheels are in motion to hopefully set something up with him as well in the coming weeks. So if that gets off the ground, then we will be ready to rock and roll on a couple of different fronts. Also, site enhancements. We did, we did a lot of really great enhancements. The guest posting and writer page is up on our website, and it's been getting tremendous feedback, a lot of great uh, different guest posts we've been generating. But MTR is always looking to add full-time writers to the family. If you are a fan of the show, got some pretty decent writing skills, and you know, obviously share the same passions we do. By all means, feel free to fill out the application, maybe send us a sample of your writing, and uh, you can join the fun that is working at MTR, which is always an interesting, interesting experience. I can tell you that much. We are also finalizing our plans to attend Wizard World here in New York City in June. Once we get the details for that, we will be releasing them very soon. We're also working on an event with our partners from Unveil, which hopefully we can finalize the details this week, and maybe we'll do it after PAX, maybe in May, in April or May, depending on how that goes. So those are some of the things we are 
working on in that regard. Just a quick reminder for those of you that are brand new or tuning in for the first time, you can listen to the show, obviously, through Blog Talk Radio Live, but you can also listen to it via Mixler, Mixler, M-I-X-L-R dot com forward slash my take radio you can also go to the listen tab on mytakeradio.com you'll hear you'll see the mixler tab there there is also a, sti- a stitcher player and in addition to that there's always of course the good old reliable blog talk radio player which um me and those guys have been having some interesting exchanges the last few days just because i was frustrated with all the audio issues for the last couple of weeks so hopefully those issues are behind us but I am thinking maybe not not next week, but maybe for episode 177, which should be March 14th, I may be doing a Mixler-only episode, only broadcasting it on Mixler, and you guys can join a chat there, and we can work off of that, just because I want to see if I can actually pull off switching from, you know, obviously from Blog Talk Radio to Mixler full time and maybe taking the calls via Skype. So that's something we're going to be working on and I'll keep you guys posted to see how that goes. All right. So I wanted to get some other housekeeping subjects out of the way. Um, A lot of you have been asking about some of the banners on the site and how they work and do the banners help us. I had a few people actually ask me that go to the site and they were like, Hey man, you know, What's up with the banners? Are they Google advertisers or are they brands that work with your site? So I wanted to take the opportunity to address that on air just to uh, clear the air with regards to the ads on the site. Every ad you see on the site is an advertiser that we are working with. Every ad that you guys click, everything that you guys do there helps us out. Obviously, via affiliates, anything that you guys purchase or or you know click on, helps us out so for those of you that just think that the ads are there just for show they are not if you decide to go to superhero stuff which is one of our advertisers and buy yourself a brand new kick-ass batman t-shirt um that helps us out same thing with t fury the ufc store wwe.com the um, mma warehouse gamer grub all these all these brands that you see on the site are all to help MTR. So I know a lot of you guys use ad blocker and a lot of that stuff, and I can understand ads are annoying and they are intrusive, but I try to make sure that the ads on our side don't have any noise or don't detract from any of our content. And as such, you know, we'd really appreciate if you guys use that stuff. Same thing with the Amazon store. If you guys are going to buy games and movies and stuff, do us a favor, go through either the Amazon banner on the site or through the, I'm Amazon affiliate store that we got set up on mytakeradio.com. That way, all that stuff helps us out. Like I said, we making we're making a lot of advancements to our gear. We're making a lot of enhancements to everything that we're doing. Event coverage. We're trying to get more, you know, more guys on board to do stuff. And the only way we're going to do it is with 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 the help of you guys. Obviously, I don't. I took down a donate button. I don't ask for any of that shit. But if you're going to buy a a ten dollar t shirt, you know. Go do it through us because, you know, they'll toss us a couple of bucks for for sending some some stuff their way. And like I said, we try to be transparent and honest as possible. So the banners are there. They are 100% legit. They're not Google AdSense. I think one of them might be. But if it is, it might be like the random one that tells you to go to, like, Travelocity 
or might try to sell you some KY or some shit if you got some strange cookies on your browser. That's that's between you and your computer. But nonetheless, you know, I we try to be honest and forthcoming with you guys on all fronts, and that's part of the deal. Same thing with the MTR shirts and the hoodies and stuff that we got in the MTR store. All of that stuff, you buy it. It helps us out in the process and obviously gets you guys some MTR gear. Speaking of which, I was asked about the Brawling for Boobies t-shirt. Originally, I was going to put the t-shirt on sale year-round for anybody to buy, male or female. But some people were saying, oh, well, you know, you guys use that for Coleman for the Cure. Is there a way that you guys can make the proceeds from the t-shirts go to Coleman for the Cure? The only way that we can do that is once the uh, the company we're partnered up with issues us a check, then we can forward those funds to Coleman for the Cure and obviously keep it transparent and share it with you guys. I don't know if we are going to do the Brawling for Booby shirt year-round, but if you guys are interested in that, by all means, drop me a line. Let me know whether it's on Facebook or Twitter, and we'll try and accommodate that. So there you have it. Anyway. Tonight's topics, we're going to talk about the Ultimate Fighter. Ben wanted to talk about this weekend's UFC event, so I'm sure he'll he'll be chiming in to share his wisdom with us on multiple fronts. We're going to talk a little bit about the Ultimate Fighter, WWE Raw. We're going to talk TNA a little bit. I also want to talk about this past Friday's Bellator event, because that had a, a I mean, this past Thursday, excuse me. Um, there, the outcome of a fight on that card was just super shocking. And I definitely want to discuss that with Ben as well. So before we get into that, I wanted to talk about a couple of things that happened uh, this week and last week that I'm sure may amuse you guys, make you guys empathize, or maybe shed a tear or two. Who knows? Anyway, so my grandmother, she is, uh, she's old, and um, as most grandmothers are, and over the last few years, she's decided that she needs a home attendant. And, you know, she does a lot of old people shit. You know, she, she goes to the senior center twice a week and she has a home attendant that helps her out and stuff like that. Now, that's not to say that my grandmother doesn't need a home attendant because whatever. Old people need an assist and somebody to sit around and hear their bullshit it happens. But the funny thing is that my grandmother's still pretty, pretty spry for her age. So she does, she does her thing. And, um, two weeks ago, she, she got a substitute home attendant. Now, the funny thing is that my sisters, both of my sisters went to school for, you know, went to schools for the handicap. My youngest sister, she graduated high school. Um, the, you know, she went to special education in high school. She graduated. So I got to put her in an adult program for anybody out there that deals with the federal government, especially with, with children or with. people with special needs the government is the biggest group of shitheads i've ever heard of because my sister she graduated in june and she's been home because in order for me to put her in another program it's like i need this i need i need a psychological evaluation i need this thing i need that thing Um, i need a blood sample possibly a stool sample fingerprints this that it's 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 absurd mind you you got to get all that paperwork before they even let you see the facility. So that's something I've been doing for the last couple of months. Nonetheless, during that time, my sister's been home and, you know, she helps my grandmother around the house. She watches TV. I leave her chores to do. And like I said, she's handicapped, but she's higher functioning and 
you know, I don't try and make her handicap seem bigger than it is because while it is a, a big deal, I don't like downplaying that she can do stuff. So she, um, she's been home with my grandmother and, um, a home attendant that my grandmother had substituting for her, uh, said something rude to her. And, you know, my grandmother, I guess she said something to the home attendant, whatever. And the substitute came back a second day and the same thing happened. And my grandmother had words. So afterwards, my grandmother told whatever agency it is that sends the home attendant, listen, I'll send this lady back here. She was rude to granddaughter, blah, blah, blah. Needless to say, this, this all came and went within the last couple of weeks. My grandmother decides not to not to tell me about it whatsoever and make mention of it last week, last last Friday. So obviously I I was not happy. Pretty much to the point of had had the home attendant had I known about it the first day that that lady said something, you probably wouldn't be hearing me on air because I probably would have ran her over with my car and buried her in the backyard. Because I'm, I'm real, really, 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 really sensitive with shit like that. Because people are rude. And you can fake the funk and, and you know, you can, you can look at a handicapped person a little strangely and then go about your business. But if, if you do something in a way that's rude or degrading or whatever, that's grounds for me possibly beating the shit out of you. So... It's it's one of those things that's um an issue. Anyway, uh huh. Josh is telling me that my mic volume is very huh. very loud. Josh is telling me that my mic volume is wow. See? Clearly. Clearly that's an issue. So I am overdriving the mic. <laughs> Hold on a second. Let me see if I can get that fixed. One thing I've noticed with this new mixer is that it's very, 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 very sensitive. Huh. It is very sensitive. Yeah, Slick is right. Huh. Let me see if I can bring that down a little bit more. All right. Josh, if you're in the Mixler chat, let me know what you think now if the, if the levels are better. Ah. There you go. For for those of you in the Blog Talk Radio chat, the Mixler um, controls are very very sensitive. So, like right now, I'm I'm speaking to you guys, and the mixler the mixer volume for me isn't going very high, but on the Mixler side, that shit was going into the red. It was clipping. So, that's a, a audio jargon for those of you not familiar with it. Anyway, as I said, you know I'm I'm real sketchy with stuff like that when it comes to my to my sisters and I was really bummed out that somebody who deals with senior citizens would conduct themselves in such a way with someone who has special needs needless to say that person I told my grandmother my grandmother I'm like listen that lady can't come back here because it, it won't end well simple as that so that was a very a very random occurrence for me and that was fresh off doing you know three and a half hours of audio Thursday editing the show until about 4.30, and she didn't. T she told me that at like 9 o'clock in the morning. So I got to have that for breakfast, and I was none too thrilled. <laughs> anyway, on another front, I, you know, 
yesterday um yesterday was a rough day for for yours truly uh yesterday was like 13 years since like my mom passed away so i was really 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 irritable yesterday and um the funny thing about it was that i didn't even know that it was that time till like 3:30 in the morning that wednesday i was doing some work on the site decided to turn on the TV before I went to bed and they were giving Forrest Gump, which was a movie I used to watch religiously with my mom when I was younger. And it was funny because as soon as I turned it on, Forrest Gump was doing his monologue about his mother dying. Oh, was I fucked up. Uh, I was really, I was really messed up, man. It was, I, it was weird because, you know, you see a lot of old school guys. Oh, you know, you shouldn't cry and blah, blah, blah. I cried like a big old bitch and I'll be a hundred percent honest with you guys and telling you that because whatever. And the crazy thing about it is you say to yourself, yeah, you know, you don't feel better. You, you know, you don't feel better about it. It makes you feel, you know, it's a sign of weakness. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what's a sign of weakness from personal experience. A sign of weakness is never being able to get past the hurdle of whatever psychological issue you're going through. And in my case, you know, that's all, that's always been an underlying issue. I've always felt that I've never totally gotten over it. And, um, you know, it was, it was, it was just weird. You know, here I am, you know, I shut the TV off and I was just fucked up and I just sat there just, you know, not crying like, <laughs> not like that, not, not like a bawling, but like legit, like tear streaming, which was weird because that only happens on rare occasions when, when that particular day comes around. But the funny thing was that after it passed, I was, I felt incredibly clear about like what I need to do. It's, it, it was really, really crazy. Note to self, don't drink two cans of monster energy at 1130 at night. Don't watch anything that will mess up your psyche. And above all else, if you got to cry, go ahead and let the shit out because you're not accomplishing shit. Otherwise, so yeah, that was that was my week. That's that's the monologue for this week, folks. Just a a small glimpse into Rich's real world off my take radio. Anyway, let's get into some some more lighthearted and more violent news and let's talk some MMA because there's actually a lot that went down this weekend. Obviously, the historic UFC women's title fight was 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 big. Ah, yes, the other thing. Don't call Slick at 2 in the morning. That is 100% right. I am guilty of calling Slick at 2 a.m. on more than one occasion. Anyway, let's get let's get into this week's MMA news. All right, so Ben is actually on hold, so I'm going to bring him on because there's a there's a lot to discuss. And, you know, we got to catch up on a few things because we've been doing a lot of overtime on the show last week, three and a half hours. So I definitely want to get right into the mix with MMA. Let me bring Ben on. Ben, what's going on, dude? Welcome back. What's up, man? Not too much. We got lots to discuss. And first and foremost, let's open up with Bellator because, holy shit, they've been on a tremendous tear which is delivering awesome, awesome cards. Not to mention, every card just had a, a really, really awesome finish. 
the one thing, of course, that got me were the first two fights, um, Jacob Noel and Mikhail Zayats, just because it, it, it went by so fast the way that Zayats got that arm bar in. It, it was funny because no, no gave up the mount. Zayats was hammering him in the face. And as soon as no tried to get out, Zayats grabbed the arm and that was it. It, it was the transition was so fast and so smooth that I was just thoroughly impressed. Yeah, man, that that was a that was a sweet armbar. Um, Bellator has been leaving bodies thrown out everywhere, man. They uh, these cards have been really good. Uh, that was a really sick armbar. Um, I mean, a lot of the guys on Bellator, unless they're the bigger names, I don't know much about them, so I didn't know much about uh Zayas until until that. He was really good. Yeah, I was impressed with him. And then, of course, your boy, your boy Douglas Lima, murder, death, kill, overhand right. It was it was just vicious because the guy crumpled like a sack of potatoes. Yeah, man, Douglas Lima. I mean, the the the, the thing with Douglas Lima is he's probably going to win this tournament and then lose to Ben Askren again. Because, I mean, really, there's not very many people in their welterweight division that can beat him except Ben Askren. So, I mean, he he's out here doing what he's supposed to do. He's probably gonna knock out Ben Saunders again, and uh, it's gonna be violent. <laughs> well, I got, I got a question for you. I I know we we already know where he's going, but John Fitch, Ben Askren, if it went down, who would you pick? Um, I would probably pick John Fitch. Really? Um, just because John Fitch is better on the feet, like it, it's not like I don't think Ben Askren would able be able to get John Fitch down and just hold him down like he does a lot of people. And I think John Fitch would actually probably be able to beat him up a bit on the feet. I mean, John Fitch can strike; he just can't, doesn't have to. Like he he knows how to strike, so I, I think he'd be able to beat him up a little bit on the feet. Um, I think he'd be able to stop some of the takedowns. I mean. Just because I, I think, and, I, and I've, I've seen this a lot, and people ask this question because, you know, he got cut. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, well, Damian Miles was able to do that to him. Yeah, but Damian Miles going to do that to a lot. Like, I don't think that necessarily means that Ben Askren will be able to do it. But Damian Maya also, and people forget this as well, it's like Damian Maya is an accomplished Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner, which is all about ground fighting. The, the funny thing about Brazilian jiu-jitsu and wrestling is that most of most of the stuff that they're doing is just off a base that's the opposite of the other. Obviously, if you're a wrestler and on top position, you're more dominant. But in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, if you're on your back, you're extremely dangerous. Yeah, um, and plus, people forget, uh, Damian Maya, Maya uh, not like this man can't wrestle a bit. I mean, he lateral dropped Chell Sonnen on his head. Like people did. forget that. Like he lateral dropped Tell Sunday. Like like people don't remember this. He lateral dropped Tell Sunday and triangled him in like thirty seconds. Damian Maya can wrestle. Uh I think I think John Fitch will be able to beat Ben Askren up. Um I know it's not happening now considering where he's going, but uh I, I think he'd be able to beat him. Yeah, I think I think it it's funny because in his case he's not you know, John Fitch doesn't get the the amount of love that, that a lot of people were giving and there's 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 things that there there's circumstances with regards to that and everybody's entitled to their opinion but I've always felt John Fitch was just coming into his own in terms of just being competitive 
and like anything else, Dana White said it. He'll go out, get a couple of wins, he'll come back. I'm sure, you know, the new organization he's going to, he'll probably do damage there. And you never know, Bellator may toss him a nice chip, and he may go into Bellator and start really causing some problems too. Yeah, that's true. I mean, at worst, John Fitch might be the third best welterweight to ever fight in the UFC. Like people, people don't like forget like the the, the run John Fitch had before he, you know these last couple fights. I mean, he won like twice and like seven fights in a row twice. Like John Fitch might be the third best welterweight to ever fight in the UFC behind GSP and uh, Matt Hughes. I mean, it's and it's unfortunate why he got cut. Um, also. When we talk about it, um, I think it's kind of bullshit, but um, why he got cut. But, um, yeah, um, I mean, if he goes to Bellator, I think he'll end up being that Bellator welterweight champion and possibly that Bellator middleweight champion because he can fight a middleweight. And I don't really see outside of maybe Shlomenko. And I still would pick him over Alexander Shlomenko, any other uh, middleweight beating him. Yeah, Shlomenko is an animal, though. That dude is serious. He is serious business. Yeah. Yes, I'm go the Now let let let's talk about this shocker with King Mo eating the spinning backfist. And dude, I, I'm a, I'm a I'm a King Mo fan, and I was done, done when that happened because it wasn't even like he grazed him. It was so uh, it was like a Shoney Carter spinning backfist. <laughs> yeah, basically he didn't see it coming. That that's that's pretty much what I knocked him out. He didn't see it coming. It kind of came at like a weird time after, after an exchange. The dude kind of was like falling away from him and then spun around and hit him with a spinning backfist. I mean, anyone can get knocked out. Um, he's still by far the best light heavyweight in that in Bellator. Um, this doesn't change anything to me. Anybody can get knocked out. Yep. He's been knocked out before, so yeah. Dude, it is it is serious business when you got. Um, you know, when you have that kind of power in a spinning backfist, but the funny thing is that, and I was, I kind of felt that that's what was happening with Mo. You, you notice when Mo was in Bellator, he was really all about dropping them hands. And when the dude caught him, when the dude went for the first shot and Mo dropped to kind of duck under the overhand, right? It was when the dude spun back and caught him with the backfist. Um, Here's, here's, here's what I think happened. He was chaining a lot with Jeff Mayweather. He was fighting like Floyd Mayweather. Yep. That works great for boxing. Yep. <laughs> but he's also about 70 pounds heavier than Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> and in MMA, people can kick you and hit you with spinning back fists. That Philly Shell style doesn't work that great if someone's going to do all that. It, it just doesn't. Because you're going to have your hands down. The whole thing is like the slip. Uh, slip the punches and roll with the punches. Well, if it's a spinning backfist, you, you're not rolling with that because it's a spinning backfist. Like, um, he, he got caught. I, I don't think this changes, doesn't change much for me with Mo. Like, I, I still think he's the best light heavyweight by far in Bellator. He got caught. Uh, they fight 10 times. He wins nine. That just, it, it just happened. How, what, do, what do you think? How do you think that this, this poll, this bodes for Emmanuel Newton. I mean, he played the role of spoiler, but what did you think of, of just him coming in there? I mean, he looked he looked solid. He had some really good he was working the jab really well. Um, you know, threw a head kick in there for good for good measure. 
Um, but it, it, you could definitely see Newton was scoring just because, you know, he was, he was definitely a, a, a bit quicker than Mo, which is, which is tough to fathom because Mo isn't exactly slow either. I mean, uh, Emmanuel Newton is a good light heavyweight. I mean, he, he, you know, he, he, I don't think he's UFC caliber, but he, he's a good light heavyweight. I mean, I thought he was going to win the tournament, um, before this. Um, you know, he, he's a good fighter. Um, you know, Mojo got caught. Um, Emmanuel Newton, I think he'll probably go on to win this tournament and then probably fight whoever wins the Satilla Vague, uh, Christian Napumbu fight. And then, uh, you know, he'll probably get it, uh, probably at some point find Mo again. Yeah, I think we'll be seeing. I think we'll see. It was funny because everybody's like, oh, you know, Mo lost. Now now he's in. Now he's going to go and take care of his TNA business. I'm like, listen, he's going to still, he's going to still fight. Like, like it, it's funny how that was the first thing I saw on Twitter at, I think I saw the replay because, you know, we were doing the show that night. So I watched the, the Bellator replay and at like 2.30, I saw somebody just be like, oh, there goes Mo ready to, to to start his wrestling career, and it's like the guy lost once, one prior time. Yeah. Jesus Christ! Uh, <laughs> it's like it's like yo, can I live? Can I live? Like I like I, don't, I really don't think he's 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 about to be trying to wrestle. Like I, I don't think Mo Mo is a is a is a is a athlete. Like not 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 to say that wrestlers aren't. Um, pro wrestlers aren't, but he he's not built like that. Like, he's going to want to come back in the tournament as soon as possible. Like, it's, it's, I don't think TNA is going to be really big on his mind right now. Oh, no, not after that. After losing, you know, he's going to be like, I'm going to go in there and sever somebody's head from their body like I did in that first fight. Yeah, like, I, I just, I don't think, oh, he's going to go wrestle now. Like, nah, I don't, I don't think that's what he's thinking about. I mean, he's still he's still going to wrestle. I mean, that's part of his his contract, but well, yeah. it's not like he's going to hang up his gloves and go and just wrestle exclusively. He's going to go and take care of his TNA business, and I'm sure and I'm sure somebody in TNA is going to try and use that because everything in wrestling is an angle. So, you know, somebody's going to be like, "Dude, you trying to come into my house after getting knocked out with what's your, you know, and he'll probably go and he'll whoop somebody's ass for saying, you know, it's it's all part of a bigger story. Yeah, basically, some somebody is going to be brought up in a promo of some sort. I mean, I just, I just don't. I, I didn't like how I, uh, it seemed like people were just like, "Oh, Mo's done now." Like, dude, this is the problem with the tournament format in the first place. To me, is like you lose big fights. Like, if I was running Bellator, he would he wouldn't even have to fight the tournament. He fights one fight and then he gets the title shot. Like, you lose these kind of fights when you do a tournament. But you know. But uh, on the flip, on the flip side, to counter that though, it's also a launch pad for for guys you may not know. Because not to not to be a True. not to be rude or be a dick, but it's like who gave a fuck about Emmanuel Newton prior to prior to that fight? Not to say that Emmanuel Newton uh-huh. is, isn't a tremendous fighter and a great athlete, but I'm just talking about from name value, you know? Yeah, that's that's completely true. I agree. I agree with you 100. percent I mean, no one knew who Emmanuel Newton was until that fight. Uh, I mean, I mean, I knew him because I watched Bellator, but I, I didn't care about him per se right. <laughs> until that fight. So, um, you know, it does build stars, but it also, when you want certain fights, it kind of can possibly screw that up. Like when they had uh, Roger Hort- Herta in there, and oh. <laughs> uh, you know, he he lost in the tournament. You know, 
you don't get the the whole point was, oh, he's gonna fight Eddie Alvarez. Eventually they got that fight, but it was after the fact after you know, he had lost in tournament. You just sometimes don't get the fights that you want because you have the tournament format. So Speaking of Roger Huerta, dude, how crazy how 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 crazy was that guy's rise and how quick people just wrote him off? Remember when I, the UFC was talking about, you know, expansion into Mexico and all this stuff, and then all of a sudden it was just like, yeah, I, I don't know. Last time I saw Roger, uh, Roger, he was getting punted in the head by some dude in one FC. That's what I'm uh, saying. That's what, <laughs> yeah, that's the last time I, I heard you saying from Roger. <laughs> Um, I feel but, bad. For uh, the yeah, dude. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what happened. Like he did that terrible Tekken movie, and then just decided he didn't want to fight anymore. Let's not even talk about that terrible Tekken movie. I think it. I think if we had to talk, it was it, it'd be a toss up between the terrible Tekken movie, the shitty Dead or Alive movie, and the second Street Fighter movie in terms of just terrible fighting game adaptations. Those three, man, it, it, it's 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 like Thunderdome. You could throw all three DVDs in there, and you pray to God none of them come out. <laughs> I actually saw like ten minutes of that Dead or Alive movie once, and I was like, "What the hell am I watching? What the fuck is this shit?" <laughs> Dude, when your bad guy is Eric Roberts, and he's like a legit bad guy, like beating up legit martial artists. When you know Eric Roberts is a guy that usually sleeps with the chick with the with the with the totally plastic breast implants on like a Cinemax movie at two a.m. It's a problem all its own. <laughs> but Oh yeah, that, that was bad. <laughs> all right. Last last fight, of course, Rad Martinez, Shabalat, Shamalaev. Dude, another another nasty finish. Yeah, Shamalov Shamalaev uh, is it hits really, really hard. I think he's gonna lose to Pat Curran, uh probably badly, but he he's a good fighter. Um I hell. Bellator is really good with getting these random Russian dudes uh, fighting in Siberia and all that other shit, and then making them stars. Uh, Shemalov Shemalayev, um, I he he looked really good in that fight. You want to laugh at at something? For uh, about a three three to four weeks ago, we couldn't get that guy's name right, but we sure as shit got it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you you hear it enough, you don't get it get it right. <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. I was like, I'm, I'm like, well, damn, that that name flowed rather easily. I, I guess it's because you hear it so damn much. But man, it was it was a great night of finishes from Bellator, and you know, of course, switching gears, we'll go right into 157. And um, 157 was it, it had its high points and low points. A lot of guys really surprised me with some of their performances. Um, Brock Jar. Brock Jardine and, and Kenny Robertson, that really nasty knee bar was was ridiculous to close out the um you know the the Facebook fights. Yeah, I I, I believe that's a catch wrestling move. Um that was I've never seen anybody do that. Like I've never seen anyone I don't even know what exactly I get, I get, he said it would tear your hamstring. Yeah, um, if you if you pull from that angle, you can tear a hamstring. Yeah, see, I I don't think first of all, I don't think he'll be able to, he would be able to pull that off on a better fighter. But it was cool looking, like it, it just just because I had never seen that before, it was really cool looking. Um, now you're gonna have guys get back in trouble and try to do that. I I don't think that'll work. 
on everybody. Like, like I do like Ben Henderson. Like that's that's not gonna work on him. Like a more flexible dude. But it looked it was it was it was cool because I had never seen nothing like that. Before I move forward, I'm glad you brought up Ben Henderson because mm-hmm. Ben Henderson's tripping. He's talking about the DSP. Oh, dude. He, well, he he made a valid point about guys wanting to fight smaller guys instead of going up and wait to fight bigger guys. But but you know what? GSP and Ben Henderson would be a ridiculous fight. I would pay sixty dollars to see that fight. No no that bullshit. One sided fight. It would be, but dude, just the the concept like like Bendo's like fuck it, you know? Let me go up. I'll fight him. You know, whatever. Like. Like and and a lot of people kind of gave that 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 fight some merit because Bendo he cuts a fair amount of weight, you know. He does, but GS. I don't think people really understand how big GSP is. He's a big one hundred seven pounder. GSP probably walks around about one hundred ninety pounds. Bendo probably walks around one hundred seventy pounds. He probably ain't cutting. Well, no, he probably walks around a little bit bigger than that. This is huge. Um, that's a big dude. Um, ben Henderson would get ragged on. Like, what he did to Nate Diaz would happen to him if GSP fought him. Uh, I understand his logic, like, oh, well, hey, all these dudes calling out dudes smaller than him. I don't, I don't think, first of all, I don't think the size difference is that big between Anthony Pettis and Jose Aldo. Um, I don't think it's going to be an issue. Like, I don't think there, <clears throat> there's that big a difference in size. But, um, he made a valid point. Only thing is, he's not in the position to be calling people out um, right now uh, above him. He, I mean, he's won some fights at lightweight, and he's probably the most consistent lightweight champion we've had in a little while. But, I mean, you still got Gilbert Melendez, who I think is going to beat him. And then if Jose Aldo beats Anthony Pettis, you have Jose Aldo. Like, yeah, but Jose. You get jo- those fights when you clean your division out. Jose Aldo, though, he's on some craziness. And we'll talk about him next, but I just had to ru- I had to run that by you because it was probably one of the craziest things. And Dana White was like, "Uh, nah, that's not happening." <laughs> yeah, Dana White's uh, probably like, "Yo, I'm tired of you guys. I'm tired of y'all flipping this stuff around, <laughs> trying to get these fights. Cut it out. Like, like fighting your divisions." <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, that fighting happened. <laughs> I tell I tell you what though, Jose Aldo though. He did. He did straight up strong arm Dana White. <laughs> he was like, he was like, yo, check this out. I, I don't, I don't want to fight this dude. He hasn't earned it. And Dana White's like, okay, you're not gonna fight him. We'll see about that. And then he's like, well, Je-, that, and then I'm sure his manager was like, yo, see if you get that that 55 title fight out of it. Like, I, I don't necessarily think it was Jose Aldo, like himself, saying, oh, I don't want to fight him. I well, he did. He said it, and it was incredible. He felt huh. that Pet. He said that Pettis. He felt that Pettis didn't deserve it when guys like Ricardo Lamas, you know, statistically have earned the right. It's funny that he would say that when Frankie Edgar was coming off two losses and he had no problem with Frankie. Edgar. Yeah, but you know what the the Frankie Edgar fight was, dude. That was a pay. That was a payday fight. That's what that was. See, that, yeah, but Anthony Pettis would be an even bigger payday fight. Like if you ask a casual fan, like a, a person that like really is going to be out here buying. Um, Pay per views, what what who they would know better? You would know Anthony Pettis better. Like his Showtime kick, like you just show him the Showtime kick. They might not know who he is. They know that kick, and he was on that MTV show World of Jinx, 
Like, that's a bigger fight. So I don't necessarily – I think his whole ploy was I want to be guaranteed that if I win this fight, if I decide to go win to 155, I get a title shot. Like, I think that was his whole ploy. Yeah, he he dangled that carrot there, and I and I want to definitely go into that in the um later on in the segment because there's there's a there's a lot of deeper layers to that story. Yeah, featherweights, man, Dennis Bermudez and Matt Grease destroyed any expectation of that fight being completely boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh that fight was uh. I actually, I did not see, well, at that at that night, I didn't see the first two rounds because I was driving to Buffalo Island. But when I got there and then saw, like, Dennis Bermuda beating the shit out of Matt Grice, I was like, oh, damn, this 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 must have been a one-sided fight. And then I hit a scorecard red, and it's like a split decision. It's like, what the hell did I miss? And I went back and watched the first two rounds. Like, personally, I think that was a draw because um, I think Matt Grice won the first two rounds and then Dennis Bermuda got a 10-8 uh, last round. But that was a really, really, really good fight. Um, they, they, I mean, Dennis Bermuda beat the hell out of Mike Rice in that last round. Dana White's Twitter, he was going, he was going ape on that fight. I was like, damn, dude. He's like, yo, these fucking guys are killing each other. Oh my god. <laughs> hey, I mean, man, they were both fifty thousand dollars richer because of that. They, they did. That was that was brutal. Man, that was a fa- you know what it felt like a throwback to to Bonner and Griffin. Uh, skills wise and technically speaking, that was a better fight. Oh yeah, skills like, wise, Griffin is an uh, important fight, but it's not like the greatest. Oh no, it's fight. not, like, dude. It's just a war, <laughs> just a bloodbath. You know. Yeah, I was I was happy to yeah, see. I mean, that was like, great. Go ahead. Well, I was just saying that was great. I'm happy to see Mike Chiesa come in there and. You know, kind of validate his his victory from the Ultimate Fighter. He looked really good in that fight. You know, definitely. Um, uh, even that definitely looked aggressive in that first round. Um, it was it was crazy when when he went for the flying knee, and Chiesa caught it. Yeah, I mean, Mike Chiesa looked good. Um, that a red naked choke. Uh, he looked good. Um. Uh, Antoine Quayvaven, or I think I'm saying his name right, Antoine Quayvaven, or Quayhaven. Um, I think, I think he did good in the first round. I think he actually won the first, uh, first round. Uh, but Mike Chiesa came out in the second round, caught that, that, uh, caught the flying knee, you know, took him down and took it back and submitted him. It, 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 he, he did really well. Definitely textbook. I was, I was a little underwhelmed by LeVar Johnson and Brendan Schaub. And it's funny, you know, Brent, Brendan's been on the show. But I just felt that that fight had the potential for more fireworks, and it felt like the dudes were being really, really tentative. Like they were respecting each. Like I think I think Shaw was definitely respecting Johnson's hands because you know Levar Johnson got napalm fists. Yeah. But and there was also you know I a bit of a weight difference. Like a t- that had to have been a you know Levar Johnson. I think he came in at like two fifty five. Shaw I think it was like it was was that like two forty. Yeah, I think that Shab wasn't trying to get knocked out again. Like, Brandon Shab, like, his last couple, all of his losses have been by brutal knockout, and I don't think he was trying to even deal with that. Like, he was going to take him down regardless. Right. Um, regardless of what he was doing, he was going to take him down, try to submit him. If he didn't submit him, he was going to hold him down. He just was not not trying to get hit. And I, I don't blame him. That's the best way to win that fight. <laughs> Yeah, he wasn't. He was not trying to eat. 
no kind of Lavar Johnson napalm fists. And 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 it was a smart fight, but your your logic is a hundred percent sound. He was just pr- protecting that chin, especially because you know he ate some, he did eat some nasty knockouts. Yeah, like Ben Rothwell had this man like climbing the ladder off his back, like he he was like I don't know what he was doing when he was <laughs> Ben Rothwell. Like I mean he he's been knocked all the way the fuck out uh, a couple fights, so I don't think he was even trying to deal with that. <laughs> Josh Koscheck, Robbie Lawler, I expected fireworks. I didn't expect Robbie Lawler to completely just disrespect him on the ground. It's like, it's like, oh, oh, you're trying to get up. Let me, let me just, let me help you. Let me help you. Let me help you. Just him cracking him on the side of the head. I was like, well, damn. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 Robbie Lawler, like, if anyone needs a really good example of how good Robbie Lawler is at ground and pound, but watch his Matt Lillen fight where he knocks Matt Lillen down, spins around, and before Matt Lillen can get his hands with his face, gets him with one punch, Matt Lillen completely freezes and is knocked out. Like, Robbie Lawler is excellent on that kill shot on the ground, and he did it to Josh Koscheck. I know Josh Koscheck and some people were like, oh, that was a early stoppage. It was not. Josh Koscheck was, was pondering the meaning of life getting hit in the face. Like, he was, like, he was not conscious. Uh, he, he snapped back, but he, he, he was getting beat up. He was, he was going to continue to get beat up if the ref didn't step in. I'll tell you what, Robbie Lawler definitely making a statement at 170. Really coming in yeah. there aggressive. He's not, it, it wasn't even a question of him coming in there, oh, first fight in the UFC, you know, from, from a long departure and coming in and playing it safe. No, I'm coming in there and I'm claiming this guy's head for my mantle and then we're going to go to the next fight. Like, he, I don't even think he got damaged in that fight. No, not really. I mean, he got taken down, but I mean, nothing was able to be done to him. I don't know. I, I've never understood why Robbie Lawler didn't fight at 170, whatever uh, uh, organization he was in. It, it seems like when he's in the UFC is the only time he feels like cutting weight. That's what it seems like. But, I mean, dude is a beast. I mean, Robbie Lawler, I mean, he has decent takedown defense, and he hits stupid hard. So, um, I'm interested to see who they fight, line him up against next. I would I would love to fight with like him and like maybe Tiago Alves or somebody. Like I would love to see a fight like that. But um, yeah, uh, I'm uh, Robbie Lawler look good. I think I think Robbie Lawler should get one more fight, and I would like to see him fight probably a Johnny Hendricks dude. Uh, that would be good. <laughs> oh, that would that would be a really good fight. I, I would. I, I I don't think either one of them could knock the other out. I mean, I've never seen Robbie Lawler. Well, yes, I have. Nick, Nick Diaz, not Robbie Lawler. Yep. Long, long, long time ago. But uh, <laughs> I mean, that that would be a good fight. Um, I mean, he he got some winning to do first before he get that fight. Oh yeah, of course. The, I I gotta get into what I like to call the loser leaves town fight with Uriah Faber and Ivan Menjavar because you know Dana White kind of inadvertently was like he's kind of fighting for his job. <laughs> I don't think Ivan Menjavar would get cut. No, no, no. I'm talking about I'm talking about Uriah Faber. Uriah Faber getting but, cut. I mean, the, the way he said it, I don't think he necessarily meant, like, <laughs> if he loses, I'm going to cut him. Like, the way he said it was kind of like, we could cut him. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think they would have cut him if he lost. Um, Dude, there would have been a riot in California. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think they would have. First of all, cutting Uriah Faber would be stupid because Bellator would sign Uriah Faber in a second. Oh, they'd throw ridiculous money at him. He wouldn't even... Yeah, like, you can build an organization around Uriah Faber. Like, you... You cut John Fitz because, I mean, really, like, no one's 
breaking down doors trying to go watch Johnson's fight. But Uriah Faber, nah, you're not cutting him. Like, he, if he lost like four fights in a row, maybe. But I, I think what Dana White was trying to say is like, we can cut anyone. Like, it wasn't necessarily like he was saying, we will cut him. It was like, we could cut him. Yeah, but you know what, dude? You know that. You know all these guys are not trying to hear that. <laughs> you arrive right, like, what? Unemployment? Chill. <laughs> it costs too much yeah, money but... to. It costs too much money to look this pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh man, it would be it would be interesting if he had lost, but um, he uh um, he looked good. Um, the way he took Ivan Minjabar's back, like people don't realize, Ivan Minjabar's been finished. Three times in his career. Those three times were at 170 pounds. This is a bantamweight, by the way. At 170 pounds by George St. Pierre and Jason Black. Both of those over 10 years ago. People yeah. ain't finishing. People aren't finishing Ivan Minjabar. Like that, that show, I mean, Uriah Faber is, is very good, and the way he took his back was beautiful. Dude, that judo throw from Menjavar at the start, though. Came in with a little clinch, boom! I was like, "Oh, there it is." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm in Minjabar. Like, it, it sucks that he lost, but he's still gonna be around, just doing crazy things and beating the hell out of people. Like, he's not going anywhere. And do I have a favor? Though I don't think he'll ever win a title at 135 or 145 in the UFC. Um, he looked good. He looked really good, and it also showed like if he's not fighting one of the top two or three fighters, he's going to embarrass you. That's right. Like, he embarrasses Brian Bowles. He, 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 he embarrasses fighters that aren't in that top two or three. Oh, it's true. I, I agree 100%. Besides the fact, it's like Faber went in there, he was real aggressive, using a lot of good ground and pound, and, and he just he was good on the scramble. Not to say that Uriah Faber didn't look good in his other fights, but I think in this fight, you know, home, home field advantage, I think it's like anything else. Home field advantage does wonders when he fights at home. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like I said, he's not winning a title anytime soon because I don't think he can beat Hannibal Rao. I don't think he – well, he might be able to beat Dominic Cruz just because that fight was really close. Um, But he's not beating those two dudes, but everybody else, like, he's beating hell out of you. Like, he doesn't and, – and I really don't even think it matters where he, he's fighting it. I mean, California, he does, you know – Really good there. It comes out of California Love by Tupac. And, you know, gets the crowd hype, but I mean, he, he fights well there. Uh, you know, I, I don't know who they, well, actually, I do know who he's fighting next, and Scott Jorgensen is probably going to get cut after he just gets his ass whooped. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> which is unfortunate, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, this, that's, if I was a bad weight, I would not want to fight your paper. Like, I just would avoid him. Like, give me somebody else. Like, I, you- I don't want that fight. Can you do me a favor and tell Dan Henderson to stop going out and having wars with every dude he fights? Jesus Christ, man. Dude, every guy he fights, he goes out there and he just leaves like five more brain cells. <laughs> I I wouldn't necessarily call that fight a war. I would call that... Machida, really Machida being Machida? <laughs> yeah, Machida being Machida, which I have really no problem with, because, I mean, why would you stand right in front of Dan Henderson unless you're Shogun and don't want your brain cells? Like, <laughs> like um, but, uh, first of all, I believe it was Cecil Peoples that gave Dan Henderson that fight. Cecil Peoples should not be allowed to judge. 
because there's no way you give Dan Henderson that fight. Like, maybe the third round. But regardless, um, Dan Henderson got Machida. Machida moved around, hit Dan Henderson when he was coming in, didn't let Dan Henderson hit him. You also realize that Dan Henderson has become extremely one-dimensional, and all he really does is throw that overhand right over and over and throw incredibly ugly kicks. Oh, those kicks! Those kicks were definitely a little, a little, a little suspect. But you know what? I think also Dan Henderson was also trying to get the kinks out of that knee. <laughs> yeah, but and, I mean, I was watching kicks like, like, dude, you know how to use your lower body? Like those kicks were so ugly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he—that's basically what I thought the fight would look like. Like, I really didn't think this would be a great. Like when I was hearing people like, "Oh, this is a real man event," like. Do y'all realize what Machida's probably going to do? Like, Machida's not out here trying to be in a war. That's not Machida's game. Machida's all about, Machida's all about, he's all about dodge, dodge, counterpunch, dodge, counterpunch, dodge, counterpunch. Fighting Machida is like fighting Akira in Virtual Fighter. (laughs) Save, (laughs) save shit. He he bobs and weaves, throws in a little flashy kick, some punches, dips out. Does the same thing, and it's like until somebody figures out, like, see, going back to the to when Machida fought John Jones, that's how you stop Machida. You got to smother him in a corner and choke him unconscious. Yeah, and, and it's kind of the same thing uh, Shogun did. Uh, Shogun basically, Shogun had the athletic ability to rush Machida, time Machida, or not really time him, but rush him where he couldn't move away in circle. Like, he was backing straight up. John Jones did the same thing. John Jones rushed him. Got him up against the cage, took him down, and roughed him up. You're not going to beat Machida trying to hit. Like if you nope. make a, if you chase him around and try to hit him, you're going to lose. And that's the same way Rampage beat him. Ramp, where people forget Rampage beat him. Rampage rushed Machida. Like you can't let Machida do back away, circle out, back away, circle out, hit you, hit you, back away, circle out. And if you try to rush him like an idiot, you'll end up like. uh uh Ryan Bader and went straight into a fist. Yeah, I was when I saw it, I was like, I was like, come on, dude! Like, and it's not even Henderson's fault because, like, like, like we were saying, it's like you got to get in there and corner him. It's not like when Henderson, like when H- Henderson, <laughs> when Henderson went in there and fought Fedor, you know, and they just went in there and they were ready to stand and bang. But Machida's not trying to stand and bang with nobody. No, Mach- that's not Machida's game. Machida wins fights on points. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he can knock you out, but it's not really what he's shooting for. And it's never a pretty knockout with him either, dude. It's never like, oh my god, that's your, that's your, that's the guy's soul leaving his body and floating out of the arena with that hit. It's like, oh, he caught. Yeah, but but the Rashad knockout was it. The Rashad knockout was just a perfect combination of things. You know, it was like him circling into the dominant hand, getting tagged. Like, it was just a perfect storm. Like, but Cheetah's knockouts aren't like, oh, my God, that guy's dead, you know? I mean, he does have some nice ones. I mean, the knockout he had on uh, Thiago Silva where he, like, hit that trip and then basically, like, did a diving punch that knocked him out instantly. The Ryan Bader one is hilarious because Ryan Bader just basically just ran into his fist. I think think him knocking out Randy Couture's tooth. Him knocking out Randy Couture's tooth to me is like the only Machida moment I always find memorable because I saw that shit fly out of his mouth. I was like, oh, there it yeah, goes. That, that one was nice. <laughs> that one was really nice. 
But also, I mean, he was fighting a fifty-year-old. Yeah, but but Randy you know what, man? Randy could Randy Couture could throw on a pair of shorts now and still fuck up a couple of those dudes at two hundred five. So true, true. <laughs> All right. Last but not least, of course, the ladies went in there. Ronda Rousey not getting paid by the hour. She went in there and claimed another arm for the trophy case. Yeah, she looked. She looked good. Um, this was the first time we really saw her really have some kind of um, adversity, which I think was good because for the women's division, you don't want to make it like, oh, she's gonna arm by you in forty seconds. Um, there's no reason to watch it because you know she's gonna win. Um, Liz Carmouche almost uh, tapped her. Um, yeah, with that neck crank. That neck crank uh, was nasty. With that, yeah, with that neck crank, like that was that was nasty. The um, but she saw some vulnerability. Um. The, 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 personally, I think this actually opens up the door for like maybe one or two chicks to actually be able to be here, like Alexis Davis. Um, if y'all don't know who Alexis Davis is, like, uh, people out there need to look her up. Alexis Davis gets that position on the rounds and gets tapped out. Right. There are no real strikers in the women's division that are going to make her pay for the fact that you don't know what a striking looks like. But there are some grapplers that if she gives up those kind of positions, uh, they're going to, Punisher for it, and Alexis Davis would have tapped her. Um, I mean, if she fights Kat Zagano or Misha Tate, like that, she's going to that one. She's going to take one of their arms home. Like, well, Misha Tate, you Misha, have, Misha Tate almost, oh, Misha Tate's career almost got ended because she was second guessing coming back after that one. Like that's that's when you yeah. know that's when you know that your fighting is on another level when you not only beat someone but you break their spirit to the point where they're like, "Damn, should I even come back to this shit?" Like, if that's what I got to fight, not to say that Misha Tate is a slouch, but it's just like, yo, when you're second-guessing your career after that one fight, it's like, well, damn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that basically, basically, it's going to be that Kat Zagano-Misha Tate fight that's going to be the number one contender fight. There's a very good chance that if Misha Tate wins, all she really has to look forward to is getting the arm broken again. Like, that's all you really have to look forward to. <laughs> but you know what's funny? Because I don't. Go ahead. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see how she can win that fight. A, a lot of dudes were like, "Oh, well, you know, she just uses the arm bar." And it was funny because we were talking about it in my office, me and, and one of my coworkers, and he goes, "Yeah, man, her arm bar is pretty sweet." And I'm like, "Yeah, but check this out. This chick has been drilling that move since she was ten years old. It's like you can be, you can try and 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 duck from her." And maybe try and shoot him for a takedown, and she will find a setup. Like that's the whole point. She's she's mastered that setup because it's a, it's a it's something that she's been doing since she was a kid. So you're gonna you're gonna see it coming every which way. The only way that you're gonna beat Ronda Rousey is standing up. And, oh, and by the way, you got to use the the Machida offense because if she grabs your arm coming in, you know she's gonna do go for the trip takedown to set up the armbar. Yeah, basically, I mean, she has a million different ways. I mean, that is the main submission outside of, like, scarf chokes and stuff in judo. Like, that's the main submission. She has a million ways to set that up. And we haven't even, she's only had seven fights. I haven't even seen some of the different setups she has. Like, if she wants to armbar you, is a very small chance of you not being armbar. Because she's just going to find some way to do it. Well, you know what, um, was, you know what was funny? Dudes were like, and they were like, yo, man, Dana White should try and throw some bread Gina Carano's way. And it's just like, listen, 
Gina Carano did every way and naked to make 140. That's all I'm saying. Not to be, not to be a, 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 a creep or anything else, but it's like Gina Carano was ass naked in practically every way in to make 140. She's going to have to cut off a boob or a leg. Like in her case, it's like, yo, I can't make 140. You know, I can't make 135. Cyborg, she make 145. <laughs> thank you. That's what I'm saying, man. Like people are like, oh, Dana, Dana should toss her some money. The only way that that fight would would work for me, honestly, would be a super fight. You know, just for 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 pay per view. But no titles for that fight. Plus, I don't think Gina has any intention of ever fighting. Dude, um, at th- all. There's there there's an intent. There's an intention, and you know what that intention is called? Lots of zeros. I mean, yeah, but she's making more money doing these movies. Oh yeah, like, of course. But like, I'm just saying, like, so much money, more money doing these movies. Oh yeah, but you got to look at it from the standpoint of if if it was a question where it was like, yo, you know, you come in, you do the super fight, we'll promote your next flick. Blah, you know how that goes, man. Business is business. Like, I wouldn't mind seeing that super fight just because that's like a passing of the torch fight. You don't got to do a, you don't got to, you don't even got to do any press for that fight. All you got to do is maxim photo shoot. You know, that's, that's what we've got. That's what we've, that's what we, that's what the, the promotion for these fights has come down to. See, Liz Carmouche was different because in Liz Carmouche's case, she had a great story. Nothing I, I really enjoyed in UFC primetime where it's like you see Ronda pulling up in a real nice BMW X5 with the tints and the rims. Liz Carmouche is driving in a Toyota Tracel with a cracked windshield and, and, and chip paint. And she trains in the back of a car of a of an automotive shop, and I'm like, see, that's what you want to see because I guarantee you, after that payday, she's probably gonna upgrade that whip, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that that it was uh, interesting. The Liz Camus, uh the, the way to plant ourselves and just basically show Liz Camouche. You know, Ronda Rousey's got two different apartments. One apartment she just stays in so she can train. Liz Camus just you know. Trains in this uh this gym that looks like it's in a shed. <laughs> like it, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was a, quite the stark, quite the stark difference. Um, well, here's here's the I, fu- I do I do like what they did. There. No, I I like I like the storytelling. I liked all that. But see, in Ronda Rousey's case, Ronda Rousey's gonna sell fights. We know this. But the beauty of things like the cyborg fight, a Gina Carano super fight. Um, a Misha Tate rematch is that those fights don't require too much of a hard sell. Like the Misha Tate rematch, if that happens, they have pre-existing beef. Ronda Rousey headbutted her at the weigh-ins. Ronda Rousey almost broke her arm. You know what I mean? Like there's legit heat there. So that fight's just going to bake itself real nice. And then Dana White's just going to have to open the oven door and serve it to us. But like the Liz Carmouche fight, there was, there was a great story to be told there, and I'm glad that they told it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now I'm just interested to see if Kat Zangano beats Misha Tate, like, what what can they say? Because, like, I mean, outside of the people who, you know, watch the victim and stuff, there's not a lot of people that know, know who Kat Zangano is. So I'm interested to see what um they would, they're going, how they're going to spin that. Yeah, what? Maybe maybe a uh, UFC magazine photo shoot, <laughs> dude. Because you know that's that's yeah. how they do it. Uh, let's not let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. 
Dana White, dude, I saw a picture and I'm trying to see if it was real or not, where Dana White was hu- hugging Ronda Rousey and his hand was Grab on her ass. ass. And I'm just like, you son of a bitch. The only problem I have, and like, I, I didn't really have, a, I had no real problem with the promotion. I thought the promotion for this fight was really, really smart. The only time I had an issue is if, if you watch the commercial, like the full commercial, where it says that bullshit, they break more than your hearts. Like, what is this? Like, what, nobody think about that. Oh. And if, if you're watching it and thinking about that, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. I was, like, like it, it's, it's in there, and, like, it, it, it's not, like, prominent. Like, it's just at the end of, like, the little promo where they show the two fighters, and, like, and they'll break more than your hearts. Like, in words. I'm like, what? The fuck is this? Why would you add that in? There was no need to add that. Like, it's like, why did you just finish it up with, for a hot time, call? Blah, blah, blah. Like, why didn't you just finish it with that at that point? Like, come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically how I felt when I saw that commercial. I was like, ugh, God. <laughs> Ultimate, fight, Ultimate Fighter had delivered a uh, nice, spectacular finish, and we also got some really fancy editing to make Uriah Hall just look like a complete douchebag, which is messed up. Because he seems like a real <laughs> pleasant dude. And I was just like, damn, the editing is doing him no favors. Editing can <laughs> hurt you for years. I mean, people people still think Rashad Evans is like this giant asshole because Matt Hughes called him cocky over ten years ago, like <laughs> because of editing. Like, yeah, but Rashad like, Evans is a oh, bit of an asshole. <laughs> I mean, he is a bit of an asshole. But, I mean, but it, it's 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 the editing. Like from everything I've heard about your Hall and, and the interviews I've heard, he, he sounds like a really cool dude. So yep. I don't. I think that was strictly editing. Um, I mean, they're, they're going to find someone that they want to make the villain. Um, doesn't really matter because I have a feeling that he may have won. The way that he's been showing up randomly at UFC events and they're like pointing him out and stuff, yep. and he's all super prominent, it's a it, really good feeling he might have been one of the finals. Yep, I, I have that feeling <laughs> too. Oh, no, I'm saying I have that feeling too, and you know I I, I follow I read Middle Easy, and one of the guys yeah. that writes for Middle Easy is Lazy the Savage, who's a, a mm. tremendously talented writer and videographer, and he he did a lot of photos the last couple of I'd say the last week with Uriah Hall and Ronda Rousey and stuff like that. And I'm like, huh, that's that's random. Not to say that it that it that it's that nobody's entitled to that, but it's just like dudes on TV. Randomly getting shouted out, appearing in a lot of photos, and I'm like, huh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, he he probably is one of the finals. Like, um, you know, I, I, I'd be interested to see who the other finals is. I if if it was if my money's on it, it's either Cliff Harris or John, uh, the dude that won this week. Um, just because I think those are the three best fighters in the house. But you are house one of them. Like I'd be shocked. First of all, I'd be I was gonna be shocked if he lost on the show anyway, just because I thought he was better than everybody there. But um, yeah, the the way he's just been popping up everywhere recently is it's real convenient. Yep, I agree a hundred percent. Definitely extremely convenient. Uh, speaking of Josh, man, that TKO, woo, with the one punch on the ground, Herb Dean's like chill, 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 chill. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he, he looked good. Um, he looked really good. I mean, 
the way the commercial set up is like he might not be fighting anymore because something he did to his leg or whatever. But hopefully, hopefully, um, he gets a chance to fight some more because dude, dude can fight. Well, next week, Josh Josh goes to the emergency room. I saw that, and um, yeah. Quinlan and Hester fight next week. Yeah. So it'd be good, man. The season. I have a season... feeling that. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I I, th- I think Clint Hester. Like I've seen Clint Hester fight uh, live. Actually, um, I didn't even realize it was him until I went and watched some uh some highlight video of him. I actually went to a Muay Thai fight that he had. Uh oh. Two or three years ago. <laughs> I, I think it was two or three years ago. Yeah, like two or three years ago, it was in uh Georgia. Um, so I actually seen him fight live. Like that dude's nice. So. I'd be, I'd, I really think, I hope he wins just because I've seen him fight before. There you go. <laughs> well, it should be good, man. Like I said, they've done a tremendous job this season. Ratings are solid. But, but once again, you know, the, the selling point, even though it's inadvertent, are the coaches. You know, Chael, Chael's been doing his thing, selling it nice, not being too much in front of the camera. I, I will tell you this. Chael Sonnen had me dying that he had to lick Rashad Evans' shoe. For for yeah, was, for Henderson lose for, for Hendo losing, I was done. But you know what? That's the kind of stuff that kind of makes people like Chael. You know, like yo, he's he talks a lot of shit, but you know, he he, he makes the sport interesting. Yeah, Chael. I mean, when Chael's not doing the stick, I find him in, uh, as a good talker and interesting. He's, he's a great analyst, stick, dude. He's annoying. Yeah, when he's doing the analyst thing or when he's just being a normal person, which he seems to be doing more on Ultimate Fighter, he, he's he's a he's cool. When he's doing the whole The wrestling stick <laughs> like the whole WWE wrestling thing, I'm like, like that's annoying. <laughs> well I first thing let's get it let's get into the MMA news for this week. They they released um payout information for this past UFC card. And I wanted to share this with you because I figured after we were talking about with Ronda Rousey and Liz Carmouche, Ronda Rousey made $90,000 for her fight. She got a $45,000 win bonus. Liz Carmouche made $12,000. I'm pretty sure both of them got a little bit extra. Oh, yeah, First you know all, they did. Ronda Rousey was sponsored by the UFC. Yeah. She got more money than that. Yeah, let's not, <laughs> let's not play ourselves. You know she got paid. As soon as I saw that UFC sports bra, I'm like, come on. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, so... I mean, I'm sure they, they, they broke Liz Kamush off with a little extra something. Uh, so, um, but good for them. That's, that's probably a better payday than they both ever gotten, uh, strike for it. Well, answer me this. Do you think before 2013 closes, Ronda Rousey will be the first female mixed martial artist Nike athlete? Yes. Okay. Um, if she wins again, actually, she don't even got to win again. It would, I would be shocked if her, in her next fight, she doesn't have a Nike logo on her too. Okay, I figured. I figured if anybody would give an, an honest opinion, it would be you with that regard because it, I I look at it and you know I was I was talking with my with my fiance about it and we're just like I'm like Ronda Rousey's gonna become the first Nike sponsored athlete and if it wouldn't have been her, it would have been Gina first. Yeah, if Gina had kept fighting, it would have been Gina. Hell, it could have been. I mean, if Cyborg wasn't you know juicing, possibly could have been her. Like true. It's not like I don't think that Nike is necessarily super selective with the M- who who they're doing the MMA um, sponsorships with. Like if you're a champion and you're dominant, like it doesn't really matter 
to them, I think, you know, how you look or nothing like that. Like, it's just I was like shocked we're trying to it. get that athlete. Well, I was shocked they gave it to Junior Dos Santos over, I don't know, Cain Velasquez, you know? Um, Just because of the college background that he has? Shocked, but not at the time. Okay. Just because at the time he was a champion. Like, I think if Cain had acted like if Cain had beat him when they were on Fox, like, I think Cain would have got that, 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 uh, that uh, sponsorship. Like, um, I, and plus, I don't, I don't know how many athletes Nike's trying to, especially in MMA, Nike's trying to sponsor. And I'm actually noticed that, like, uh, Adidas is now sponsoring people in Reebok. Um, like, I saw Adidas sponsorship on Bellator. Yep. Um, on, uh, I think Carl Amasu had an Adidas sponsorship. So, I mean, it, it, it's cool to see these, these, these big, um, these big time, uh, sports, uh, organiz- or not where I'm at, sports, uh, apparel companies like sponsoring, uh, MMA fighters. It's really cool to see that. Well, you know, I saw, um, the Anderson Silva shoe that Nike's putting out. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, I think it's on, it's, I think it might be on Middle Easy's site. And I was like, well, I think it's a boxing shoe, but still, Anderson <laughs> Silva got a fucking shoe. That's all I gotta say. That's all I, I gotta to say. I Jones on Twitter that he has a wrestling shoe coming out at some point. Which I wouldn't be shocked, you know, considering his background, but that's what I mean. But it's just like, they're, they're Nike and, and these apparel companies are realizing like, we can make a lot of money. Like, think about it. Nike rash guards, you know, Nike, Nike fight shorts without even trying. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, they're, they're, this is a new market for Nike that they haven't been in, and I think they're really about to to try to jump headfirst into it with these, these all these different fighters that they're trying to sponsor. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be a, a great time for MMA. You know, the the New York thing is slowly slowly coming together on the DL. Uh, Take on Muay Thai had their fights last Friday. I didn't get to go, but a lot of people told me that there were some some awesome fights, and I know they're doing some fights at the uh, casino. I think next month. So hopefully I can try and get out there for those. So it's 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 coming together nicely. Yeah, um I'm hearing that uh probably uh pretty sure pretty soon, excuse me, that uh that uh UFC's gonna be in um New York to do uh, a show, possibly. Um I think what is the twentieth anniversary show. So yeah, they wanna if do that, that happens that that yeah. I, I will I will sell a baby to go to that. I will, I will <laughs> kidnap a baby and sell it somewhere on the black market to, to go for that. But, um, it's funny. Josh in the Mixler chat said that Nike stepping their game up because Under Armour was, was starting to establish a presence in MMA. And it's true because Under Armour got GSP on the lock and key. Yeah. They've had him for a couple of years now. <laughs> yep. They, they got him under lock and key. And, you know, it's funny. Because The Rock, he wears his little T-shirts on Raw, and they're Under Armour shirts, and they white out the logos. But conveniently enough, the Under Armour's sewn on the back of his neck tag. And I'm like, Under Armour's trying to do their best to scoop up where they can. And, and you know, getting having GSP as one of your guys is definitely a step in the right direction. <laughs> to slide that in there so you can't really white it out. Yep. <laughs> but, yeah, um... Yeah, I mean, Under Armour, Under Armour's trying to ease in there. I mean, they've had GSP for a while, like, yep. um, like before Nike was even thinking about sponsoring athletes. So, um, hey, Under Armour, these big, like I said, these, it's it's just cool to me that these big time sports organizations are are now taking a big interest in UFC. Oh, I'm 
I'm I, I you know it's one of those things for me where it it opens up the possibility of just mainstreaming that much more and kind of demystifying the sport to the cl- to the untrained eye. So I'm all for it. I mean, GSP right now, you know, he's going to be in in full swing because UFC 158 is right around the corner. You know, March Mar it's officially March 1st. Uh, so you know, 15 days from now, it's on him and Nick Diaz. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait to see that fight. Um, even though I mean I, I have a feeling it's gonna look a lot like his brother's last fight. Um, I can't wait to see the fight. I think it, it just just because it's been just something that's been built up for so long, and I actually like the fight that they the uh, the Johnny Hendricks and Carlos Condit fight. I do too. Uh, I really like the. Uh, first of all, I think Carlos Condit's probably gonna win, but like I, I just I I like the the change because who was he fighting before that? Jake Ellenberger. Yeah, I, I didn't think that was going to be no. the greatest fight, but I, I, I just love watching Carlos Condit fight. Um, hell, the Nate Marquardt, Jake, Jake Ellenberger fight should be good. Um, I'm surprised Nate Marquardt is able to fight after what happened to his leg recently. Yeah, seriously. Um, I didn't even think his leg would be healed by it yet, but um, that should be a good fight, too. Well, you know, the other thing, too, Canada staple Patrick Cote is main eventing the prelims, as usual. So, you know, they, they got a, a lot of, a lot of good guys fighting in there. John McDessie and, uh, Darren Cruikshank also are fighting on the FX portion. So it should, it should be good, man. Yeah, it, it should be really, really good. On the Bellator side of things, we were, you know, we were talking about, and you mentioned this the last time, you know, Daniel Strauss taking on Pat Curran. Strauss broke his hand, so he's out. Now, according to MMA fighting, they're saying that Shabala Shamalaev is going to step in and take on Pat Curran. Mm-hmm. At Bellator ninety five. Yes, uh, that should be. I think Pat Curran will beat him. I think Pat Curran will be able to stick and move and and do what Pat Curran does. But um, it should be a good fight. I mean, Shamalan Shamalayev could you know land a big punch like he tends to do and and hurt him. But it excuse me, it should be a really fun good fight. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I think um I think that's going to be one of those fights where those guys are going to come in and just put on an, just an incredible display. And I like watching Pat Curran fight. It's always exciting to watch him go in there and do his thing. Yeah. Plus, there's always a chance that he's going to do something incredibly violent to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> that is also true. I am bummed that Demetrius Johnson is hurt and he's off of uh, the Ultimate Fighter finale, but I kind of felt it was too soon for him to fight. On the bright side, though, I am happy to hear that Maximo Blanco's fighting on that card. So that's going to be an awesome fight. Yeah. Um, who's he fighting again? Uh, Sam Cecilia. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that should be a good fight. I mean, hopefully Maximo Blanco uh, doesn't – well, I, I don't think Sam Cecilia is going to do what Marcus Grimmins was able to do to him um, and, and make the fight like a technical striking contest. Like, I don't, I don't think – Sam Cecilia doesn't do stuff like that. So it'll probably end up looking like – Maximo Blanco, like, mowing him down like he did a lot of dudes in Japan. <laughs> well, you know, also we get, you know, Uriah Faber, Scott Jorgensen are on there. Travis Brown, Gabriel Gonzaga, which is probably going to be a nice little hard-hitting fight. Cole Miller, Bart Pawszewski. A solid way to close it out, and, of course, the finale. So, nice way to do it. And to think, the seasons move rather quickly because here we are in March, and the finale is already April 13th feels like yesterday that the season just started. Yeah, uh, I, I, 
and I had completely forgot that the finale was coming up this quickly. Um, but I mean, the season, uh, uh, the season's just about. I mean, I don't think it's about, just about over, but uh, they're pretty deep into the season, so they're they're almost around too. Yeah. Well, this this has been a a bit of controversial news this week, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Uh, the Matt Riddle cut. You know, uh, he pissed hot second time for weed, so he got cut, mm-hmm. and um, it was because his test for his fight on Fuel TV Seven came back positive. Now his fight is being ruled a no contest. Obviously, this raises the question: Will Che Mills get called back to the UFC, much like Brandon Vera did when um, his opponent pissed hot? What do you think? Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that he'll get like I, I well actually uh, he might not uh, just because right now the UFC is not the UFC has to cut a hundred people. Uh, and and I actually agree with them the the way they're going what they're doing. Like I don't agree with the John Fish cut, but I do agree they need to cut a good chunk of this extra extra fat they had because uh, a lot of a lot of these dudes is like from last year. A lot of these dudes was like repl- like injury replacements to replace injury replacements. Like it just and then and then once he's an injury replacement, then you owe him another fight, and then it just builds on. So I don't have any problem with them cutting dudes so quickly. So I don't necessarily think they'll bring Che Mills back. It wouldn't surprise me. But I mean, Dana White said they got to cut a hundred more fighters. So it wouldn't. It would not shock me if Che Mills doesn't come back. Fair enough. See, I for me, not to say that Che Mills wasn't a bad dude, but I just looked at it from the standpoint of there's there's still too many guys. That's all I said. I'm like he might come back. Like they may do him a solid. And be like, listen, you could come back and do a fight. If you lose, you stay and cut. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, yeah, it, it's that's weird. That's what I'm thinking, too. It's weird because it just seems that as of late, there's, um, you know, the Nevada State Athletic Commission and, and, and just fighters pissing hot for weed, it, it's, it's really just starting to take a life of its own. Like, it's becoming to the point where it's just like, okay. But the UFC, it's funny the way that they released their statement because they said, Matthew Riddle tested positive for marijuana metabolites following his bout on UFC on Fuel TV 7 in London on February 16th. This is Riddle's second failed drug test for marijuana within the past seven months. Riddle previously failed a post-fight drug test due to marijuana following UFC 149. As such, the UFC organization is exercising its right to terminate Riddle for breach of his obligations under his promotional agreement as well as the UFC fighter conduct policy. The UFC organization has a strict, consistent policy against the use of any illegal or performance-enhancing drugs, stimulants, or masking agents. The outcome of the bout against Chain Mills was changed to a no contest, and the results of the positive test will be reported to the official, official Association of Boxing Commission's MMA record keepers. Now, here, here's what I got to say. He said in, in something I saw, I think it was yesterday, that he has a, 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 a card allowing him to use weed. Yep, he does. So, you know, how, I, I kind of feel it falls into a gray area, and I honestly think that he got cut because they told him, dude, don't smoke weed. And he said, all right, I'm That's not. Exactly why I got cut. And, and he said in an like, interview, I, I I'm not. I don't think it's necessarily because he smoked weed. It right. Because they he told said, him not to. Right. <laughs> they told him not to, and above that, he said, and it's documented, he's like, dude, I'm not going to smoke weed. You know, it's not going to happen for my next fight. I'm good. 
So I think it was just yeah, because I mean, the UFC got made to look stupid. And they were like, oh, you're going to make us look stupid? Well, you're unemployed. Yeah, like, I, I, from, it's like this. Um, I think it's completely stupid that athletic commissions even test for weed. Um, oh, I know. Especially in places that it's legal to not only have it, because some places this is legal to have it and smoke recreationally. And then you have fighters like Nate, Nate, Nick and Nate Diaz, Nick, who actually needs it because, well, I won't say needs it. I mean, that's a whole different debate. But he has because he has severe, if you ever listen to this man talk or watch him do anything with people, he has severe anxiety issues. Like, he does not need to be around people, and he smokes weed to calm himself. I don't have any issue with you smoking weed the day before the fight because you're not going to be high when you fight. It's stupid that you're even testing for this. Now, if you hide coming in the cage, that's a whole different issue. But I think with in the Master Riddle's case, it's simple. They told him, dude, if you smoke weed, don't have it be in your system during when you get tested for the fight. Yep. He comes in, says he's not going to do it. He just tested for it. They're like, okay, now you cut. It doesn't matter that you have a card for it. We told you not to be doing this while you're you're, um, you know, uh, in training camp. Like, you shouldn't be doing it then. And it's just that simple. And I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be shocked if they said the same thing to Nick. Uh, Nick. Like, I, I, would, I would not be shocked now if Nick gets busted. I don't think they'll cut him. But I'm pretty sure they said the same thing to him. Yeah, I think I think in Nick's case, they were like, dude, check this out. We know you like the trees. Just listen, you know. Hold off for a little bit. Yeah, I, I still don't think I cut him though. Like, I, I think if Nick is tall with it, like, they probably won't cut him. Like, even even if he beats, like, let's say he beats CSP, and then it's like, oh, he, he got tested for weed metabolites. He had it in the system yet. I don't think I cut him. And Dana, personally, I wouldn't cut him either. Dana White's going to be like, yo, here's some money. Make that shit go away. Yeah, and plus they're not even doing this fight in Las Vegas. So, uh, Montreal, I mean, personally, I think the UFC should test this kind of stuff anyway by themselves and just do it independently because then you don't have to release these results and don't have people scrutinizing you for why you cut people. Right. Like, if, if, um, if, if you're doing this yourself and you test to do when he's in training camp, same thing with steroids. You test to do why he's in training camp, his testosterone is high. You don't even have to release it to the press. All you got to do is tell them, yo, get your, get your, um, your levels down. And if during the fight, your levels are still up, we're cutting you. It's that simple. But, you know, the UFC is, I, I don't know why they're not trying to test for that kind of stuff. Slick said Dana White would make Nick Diaz drink gallons of Golden Seal. (laughs) 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 Oh, shit. Well, we got the last two bit of news to wrap things up. Uh, Dana White squashed the uh, Jose Aldo situation a little bit because obviously Aldo beats Pettis. Aldo wants to move to 155 and fight there. Dana White went on to say that he was fine with that. But he said that one of the matchmakers called and said that there was a misunderstanding and that he wants to go to 155, win the title, and go back to 145. Dana White said, that's not happening. If he moves to 155, he stays at 155. 
if he holds that belt and, and he holds that belt. If Pettis wins the fight, Pettis is going to have to stay at 145 and defend that belt a couple of times. I don't have any problem with that. And, and I know why Pettis, and first of all, I don't think, if Pettis gets past Jose Aldo, like I don't think there's anybody at 145 outside of Jose Aldo that can beat Pettis. So I don't even think that's a really big issue because he'll just keep winning fights at 145 and then eventually he get to move back up and, and get his title shot at 155 and possibly be the first two division champ. Um, same thing with Jose Aldo. Like, if Jose Aldo wins this fight, moves up to 155, I think he can beat Ben Henderson, and I think he can beat uh, Gilbert Melendez. So I I don't have any problem with that because then you'll be a two-division champ. Now, you can't defend him at the same time, and I have no problem with that because that screws up the division. You have a – that puts the two divisions on hold. Right. I agree. So, I mean, I mean, if Aldo, uh, I'll tell you what, if Jose Aldo wins and holds both belts, Dana White's going to be like, check this out. Either he'll make him vacate the 45 belt or he'll, he'll do a couple of 55 fights and then defend the 45 belt. He'll probably make, he, he'll make him vacate it. Just because it, it puts your whole division on hold if your champion is, okay, he has a fight here, he, he has a fight at 155, then you have to wait another, what, three to four months before he recovers, he's got to cut weight back to 145, like, it just, it just, it puts the whole division on hold. True. Makes sense. Well, the last bit of news, and you're, you're going to love this, there's a, a rumor I saw on MMA Junkie, Jake Shields, Tyron Woodley, UFC 161. That should be a good fight. Um, I, I um, that should be a good fight. I, I don't know how it will go. It, I don't think it'll go well for Jake Shields. Um, like I, I don't, I don't think he'll be able to get Tyron Woodley down and hold him down. Like no, nope. I, I just, I don't see that <laughs> happening. Like I, I, I don't know if he gets knocked out again, like when Jake Ellenberger knocked him out. But I, I think, I think he'll lose to Tyron Woodley. I think Jake Shields is a small 170. I think T Wood is a, is a, is a big 170. Uh, he's a big 170 pounder. So I think just from a, a, a size standpoint, I think T Wood's gonna gonna take the wrestling, shoot him for the double, and he's gonna try and either get the ground and pound, or he's gonna try and use the wrestling to set up a knockout on the feet. Jake Shields, obviously, his jujitsu game is bananas, but like anything else, you got to get him down there first. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd, I'd be shocked if he was able to get him down and hold him there. Um, like, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Jake Shield gets, like, a single takedown, but I I just don't see him be able to get him down and, and, and you know, hold him and, you know, set up any kind of submission. I, I just don't see that. Oh, I don't think so either. I think, if anything, I think T. Wood is going to try and keep that standing because he knows Jake Shields, you know, Jake Shields is, is, can, can get knocked out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. So uh, uh that that should be a good fight though. I tell you what though, I think I think if T Wood gets past Shields, what do you think? Two more fights before a title shot or one more? Um I'd say maybe two more. Um just just because one seventy has a lot of guys. Like I I'd say two more, like give him like Roy McDonald or somebody like that. Oh, Roy McDonald and T Wood would be awesome. Yeah, give, give him somebody like that. Just, 
just because because one seventy is one of the deeper divisions. So I I, I think do something like that. You have it. Well, last but not least, of course, UFC this weekend. Vanderlei, Brian Stan. We got um. It, it, that's going to be a a tremendous fight. Yeah, it's it's it should should end violently for somebody. Well, I tell you what, that I saw a picture from the open workout with Vanderlei doing the flying knee. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, this this is going to be this is going to be one of those fights. I think Vanderlei is going to get that power of Japan coursing through him, and the bell's going to ring. He's just come going to come out like a maniac like he used to do. Uh, I hope for his sake he does. I hope so, man. Come on, I I hate when you do that to me. <laughs> it's, it's I'm like, just saying, I, I, I know, hope for I his sake he does. Well, you know, it's funny. Chael Sonnen said he was like, he's like, yo, Vanderlei loses, he should fucking retire. That's it. <laughs> I I won't say if he loses, he should retire. I'll say if he loses and gets brained, he should retire. <laughs> like, like I, I don't think like necessarily like if he lasts all three rounds. I mean. You know, it's his fight with uh, Rich Frank. He lasted all five rounds. Like, if, if it's a fight like that, and he, you know, he, he gets out of the gets out of the fight all three rounds and doesn't get brutally knocked out, then yeah. But if he gets really hurt again, nah, you need to you need to go ahead and hang it up, dude. And then of course we got Hector Lombard preparing preparing to sacrifice someone else to the to the human oh, yeah, be good. to the human cigar factory known as his fist. <laughs> Yeah, that should be good. That you should not come here hit the lava up like that. It's either going to end really violently or going to be really boring. Well, you know what's funny? He said it. He's like, he's like, I'm trying to go. I'm trying to go and have an exciting fight. So when dudes say that, you know, it's all about trying to make fireworks. The only thing is, Yushinokami also is from the school of I'm going to take you to the ground and rabbit punch you. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, yeah. it, it's going to be it's going to be crazy if Yushinokami is going to is going to be willing to trade. And not only that, would be willing to close the distance while leaving himself open to a, um, you know, Thanos level knockout. Yeah, um, this should be this should be a good fight because I'm not sure how easily Yushinokami can even get Hector Lombard down, considering Hector Lombard's like judo background. So right. um, it, it should be a good fight. I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure you'll have a uh, a nice write up for it as well. Yeah, I should. Um, also, my fighter of the month, which I forgot to, that it's not a leap year, or it is a leap year, or, or whatever. It's not a 29th day. <laughs> so I just, I just looked at my clock, and it said the first. So my fighter of the month will be out tomorrow. There you go. Um, of course, you can follow Ben on Twitter, at Blackout89. Go ahead, Ben. Promote yep. your uh, – plug your show. All right. Uh, the, um, on my YouTube – we have a YouTube – I have a YouTube show called The Three Kings uh, uh podcast um it's not a podcast yet we're actually working on that um we've actually taken a small break so there's no videos up for the last week but um check it out um we talk about hip-hop anime cartoons any, anything we feel like talking about at the time so just check it out it's uh the hip-hop uh three kings hip-hop podcast or three kings podcast on um on facebook or youtube excuse me i was gonna tell you just a friendly note of advice Try it, you know, instead yeah. of do the the YouTube video as a Google Hangout, because and then do it as a live Hangout so that it gets recorded to the YouTube, and then just download the MP4 and put it wherever you're gonna put it. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, I'll try that. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> think about that. There you go, dude. Right. You got the Google Hangout there, man. The shit works. It, it is pretty solid. Word. Yeah, 
word. I, yeah, I'll, I'll try that, yeah. All right. All right, man. Thanks for uh, giving me the assist for MMA this week. And, of course, make sure to follow Ben on Twitter at Blackout89 and look for his content on MyTakeRadio.com. All right. All right, bro. I'll catch you. Peace. All right, peace. So I think tomorrow I'm going to have, well, later on today, I'm going to have to buy a new mouse. I don't know what the hell's going on with the mouse, with my mouse this week. For some reason, this Microsoft wireless mobile mouse 4000 is running like complete shit. But nonetheless, I uh, if you hear me smash it on my desk once or twice, it's just to get it to work. Anyway, that wraps up this week's MMA segment. As always, make sure to check out our advertiser, MMA Warehouse. Check out the banner on MyTakeRadio.com to pick up any of your MMA gear, rash guards, fighter t-shirts, etc. MMAWarehouse.com is your destination. All right, let's get into some wrestling. There is a lot to discuss, especially a, a very, very solid main event from WWE Raw this week. So our friend Brooker T can take it away. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga! So Monday Night Raw opened up with a fight, of course, between Vince McMahon and Paul Heyman. If you haven't watched wrestling for a long time, you know that this was a setup. Well, excuse me. If you've been watching wrestling for a long time, you know that this is a setup for some sort of an angle, which, of course, it was as Brock Lesnar came out to kill Vince McMahon dead and corporate Triple H came out sans suit and tie with his brand new Triple H shirt that you can buy on WWEshop.com. And he came out and proceeded to have a nice physical encounter with Brock Lesnar, which resulted in Brock Lesnar's head getting busted open and him bleeding all over the place. From what they've been saying, it required roughly 12 stitches, uh, 12 staples to close. Anyway, I think it was a, a great setup. It was physical. It worked. The only thing that I felt with that is that the Brock Lesnar Triple H match, while there is there is some sort of an incentive for that match to happen, I just feel that given given the circumstances, I think that there could have been you could have done something else, but I also understand that they're saving Brock and Rock for WrestleMania thirty. That's why you haven't seen any sort of a confrontation. So I honestly think you know, the Brock Lesnar and Triple H match should be good. Um maybe Triple H you get his win back, maybe not, who knows? But Brock Lesnar signed on for the long haul, and I think, if anything, he'll have another brutally physical encounter with Triple H, and it should be a, a solid match for Mania. I'm not going to complain. I just feel that we've seen it before. It almost feels like it's a rerun, you know? Brock and, and Cena, Triple H and Lesnar. But given, like I said, the chemistry and the physicality of their last match, it, it should it should pose uh, you know just a, an interesting scenario in terms of where Brock Lesnar goes post WrestleMania. So obviously if he wins, if Brock wins, there's there's more incentive 
for Lesnar winning than Triple H winning. If Triple H wins, in my opinion, it's just him getting his win back and, you know, kind of defending the honor of Vince McMahon, which, whatever, nobody really gives a shit about Vince, let's be real. If anything, I think Lesnar needs to be kept strong, especially if you're trying to build up Brock and Rock for WrestleMania 30. You, you got to keep Lesnar pretty dominant. And honestly, a loss wouldn't hurt Triple H because he's not a full-time performer anyway. Anyway, Ryback, Dolph Ziggler had their little match, which once again, just just Dolph Ziggler getting jobbed the fuck out. For, for a guy who's supposed to be destined to win the belt, you guys really hate him. You know, I don't understand why the writers and, 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 the, and the front office just want to continue to, to fuck over Dolph Ziggler. Home in the Mixler chat says only Canadians care about wins. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree, but I, you know, I just feel that when you're taking a guy that you're grooming to be your champion, you should really invest your, and I've said this before, invest your energies in making him look better. It almost feels like every time I see Ziggler wrestle, he's fucking losing. It really is. So we get a uh, Mark Henry, great Kali match if you want to call it that me personally i just call it oh my god ah, 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 ah. oh that's better ah, 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 ah. here you go That's what that was. Anyway, our 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 favorite rednecks, uh, tea party uh, aficionados, Zeb Coulter and Jack Swagger had a very 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 powerful promo against Ricardo Rodriguez and Alberto Del Rio during the Miz's um Miz TV segment. Zeb Coulter is ridiculous on the mic. The adding him with Jack Swagger is just something that really steps up swagger's character and it brings that whole murica vibe that whole you know racial undertone vibe that they've been kind of pushing for a while i honestly think that without coulter ziggler would just not ziggler swagger would just kind of float along in mid-card hell the, the fact is that you know you got a guy that is a tremendous collegiate wrestler, collegiate level, amateur wrestler, for all intents and purposes, you could look at him as your next Kurt Angle, for argument's sake. But the weakness in Jack Swagger that Kurt Angle didn't have was mic work. And Holter really just ups the heat factor to just an astronomical level. It's just so sick. The way that, that Dutch mantle, Dirty Dutch, comes out there and just destroys any aspect of you even caring about swagger other than to see him fail and that's what you want when you're a heel and it's funny because you see all these people oh they're spoofing the tea party blah 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 no you're using real world events to shape the heroes and villains of your organization and there is nothing more villainous than being racist being you know anti-minority if you will i'm not saying i'm not saying that you know it's full-on 
let's put on white hoods and burn a cross in front of Del Rio's house. But the the undertones that are there are just are just very, very well done. When 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 Zeb Coulter goes and says, you know, there's eleven million undocumented workers in this country, it was just such a a powerful and ripped from the headlines promo that I just I just said, damn, this dude, this dude's fucking promo game is on a whole other level. It was, I was I was amazed at how well that went. And you know, people are gonna be like, oh well, you know, Jack Swagger is not gonna not not gonna make this shit work, blah blah blah. Look, at the end of the day, managers really succeed in helping under underperforming wrestlers. The fact is that Vicky Guerrero helped Dolph Ziggler, but it reached a point where Vicky Guerrero's heat superseded Dolph Ziggler's heat. So you broke him apart. Jack Swagger, eventually, he'll get better on the mic and, and you can separate him from Zeb. But right now, it just works. And honestly, I actually got to pull up the promo and I want you guys just to, to hear this because it is it is so well done and so perfect that the execution just, just blew my mind. Anyway, check this shit out. Well, you know, I was looking forward to the opportunity to talk to Glenn Beck. But since he chickened out, I welcome the opportunity to speak directly to you, Mr. Del Rio. So let's get right to the chase. And since we've not been formally introduced, my name is Zeb Coulter. This is Jack Swagger. We are real Americans. Fellow citizens, fellow patriots, fellow Americans, we have a problem in this country. We have 11 million undocumented workers in this country. And I call them undocumented because the politically correct crowd refused to call them exactly what they are, illegals. And we, they want to reform the system so how are they going to reform the system? They want to grant amnesty to those 11 million undocumented workers and put them on the path of citizenship. I don't know if anybody's looked around recently, but real Americans already have a tough job enough finding work. You know, those people sneak across our borders and they take our jobs they take our medical services, they take our resources, and they stifle our productivity. But I don't want you to think that this is personal. It's not personal. No, it's not. It's not personal. What it is is what you represent. You know what you represent to your people, Mr. Del Rio? You represent success. You represent the American dream. And you encourage millions of illegal people to sneak across our borders in search of that dream. But for those millions, I want them to know there's only one Alberto Del Rio success story. And for all those millions that fail, you know what they do? They conveniently forget to leave this country. That's exactly what they do. So I'm telling you, if you think we're going to stand by and watch this happen, we're not. 
Because I'm going to call it exactly what it is. I'm going to call You know what we call people who stay in our country illegally? Let's forget all the politically correct crap. Let's call it exactly what it is. We call them criminals. Hey, hey! No. no, I'm not through talking. Yes! No, I'm not. I'm, talking. I'm not through talking. Your time to talk is over. Now it's time for you to shut up. First of all, Del Rio's accent is complete shit. You shut your mouth. Your time for talking is over. Come the fuck on, dude. I understand you got to play up the, the, the brown man. But, but yo... Why don't you just wear a sombrero and ride on a fucking burrow to the ring at this point? Way too out of hand with, with regards to his accent. And honestly, I think partially it's because, you know, he's kind of stuck with it and he hasn't fully lost it. But I'll be 100% honest. Occasionally my accent comes out very rarely, but it does. And not to say that he should be ashamed of it, but the fact is that on a minute. Josh just told me that the mic is a little hot again, so I wanted to make sure that uh that was not the issue. But um there we go. I swear this this fucking mouse tonight, ladies and gents. Anyway, you know, losing losing your accent is is something um you know, it takes time, but in Del Rio's case it's very hard when you're a main eventer. And you're going into areas, you know, you're going into middle America, so to speak. It's really not going to do you any favors within that regard. You're just like, yeah, you know, I'm going to come into middle America and I'm just going to while out and my accent isn't going to be a problem. When you're dealing with a situation like this, while I understand that Del Rio is supposed to be, you know, the, a minority friendly, I think when it comes to taking him seriously, the accent kind of hurts him. but I will say this, it's a double-edged sword in the essence that your accent will hurt in one regard, but damn, will it do wonders in a feud with Jack Swagger where you can just say, you know, where you can just say, you know, you come to this country, you're successful and you can't even learn English. You can't even speak English properly. Like imagine that type of a promo in say, I don't know, Texas uh, San Diego, Florida, you know, areas with, with high concentrations of, of la Latino fans. Think about just that kind of stuff. So see in that instance, and this is one of the few times I say it, Del Rio's accent works. But when you listen to it cold, like, like for me as, as, as a Hispanic, I listen to it and I'm like, okay, maybe he's playing it up, but clearly He's not. It's just it's just so overblown. And again, it's not a terrible thing, but it only can be effective in this particular storyline. Would I like to see him speak a little bit more normal? Yes. And you know why I say that? Because Eddie Guerrero had the accent. He did. But over time, you saw Eddie Guerrero use the Spanish as a fallback to have a little fun with the audience. And, and his English was on point and the accent wasn't there. So it's it's just very, very, very strange right now for Del Rio. Because like I said, on one end, it works because it helps him connect. On the other end, it, it makes it seem like your champion doesn't know English. Make of it what you will. Anyway, 
the U.S. the U.S. champion was in action, and again, great matches always between Cesaro and Orton. Cesaro going for the Psycho Crusher M Bison elbow and Aiden RKO for his troubles. I don't mind seeing these guys go in there and deliver this type of a match. My only concern is that it feels like Randy Orton's kind of in a holding pattern. Initially, I thought they were going to turn him heel. Now it seems that they're trying to do something with him and Sheamus and the Shield. I, I don't know where they're going, but honestly, I would rather Randy Orton do a U.S. title program with Cesaro. They do really good matches, very physical, and the finishes are just, they just work. Cesaro going for the for the, for the European psycho, psycho Crusher and eating the RKO was so well done and so perfectly well-timed that, you know, it, it just worked. I have no problem with it with the exception that it, Randy Orton's just taking up space, so to speak. The Team Hell No shenanigans, I'm not even going to address them because they're stupid and, and you're really just underutilizing talent a talented guy like Daniel Bryan and if you're if the angle has run its course just break him up already seriously break him up already put Bryan into a program with with Cesaro maybe maybe move Kane into the upper card for a little bit maybe a possible world title run and and be done with it this you know you wear a blindfold you tie your hand behind your back you wear a gimp mask and wear a dildo on the outside of your costume it's it's all stupid it's all stupid. I'm done. I'm, if, if you're going to break them up, just pull the fucking trigger and don't embarrass either one of these guys. Both of them still have a lot to offer, mid-card or otherwise, and all you're doing is just making them do this lame shit. Tie your hand behind your back. Wear this bag. Hang Daniel Bryan on a pole. Oh, we're going to set Kane on fire this week. It's stupid. It really is stupid. And then, I don't, I don't know which member of the writing team came up with the bright idea that Sheamus is supposed to be funny. But guess what? He's not. Every time you have him come out there and do his, his funny fella shtick, it just doesn't work. The only time I find Sheamus amusing is those times where the humor doesn't appear forced, when the chemistry is just there and it's natural. When he's coming out there and you can just basically tell that he memorized his promo in the back, it just feels stupid. It really does. I, I said to myself, you know, Sheamus is a great competitor, but another guy that, that kind of, he's, he's kind of just wallowing in, 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 in nowheresville. I understand they, you're going to do something with him and the shield and that's great. But in terms of like that shit with Wade Barrett, I understand that you wanted to use it as a vehicle to promote his fucking movie where he has like, you know, three scenes, but come on, man, don't, 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 don't force Poor, poor, poor Sheamus to try and be funny because he's really not. R-Truth and Cody Rhodes had a pretty decent match. Obviously, this is building up for a match between the Rhodes Scholars and R-Truth and Kofi. Angle advancement run rampant. Team Hell No and and the primetime players, again, I'm not even going to dignify that shit with a response. But I will say this. The Shield came out, cut a nice promo. And Randy Orton pulled a, a, a page out of their book, delivered a nice RKO. It's like, I came, I saw, I bored the crowd to death, I hit my RKO, and I left. To to share with what, what um Ohm was saying in the Mixler chat, 
he said that they're not utilizing the three hours they have. They do two hour, two good hours of TV. I agree with that statement 150%. Three hours feels like slow torture. There are instances when I look and I'm like, oh, wow, it's 930. It's almost done. And I'm like, fuck, I'm only, I still got an hour and a half to go. And it happens on more than one occasion. It should not be a chore to watch Raw. It should be watching it, maybe DVRing it, fast forwarding through one or two things, but getting a solid two hours of television. It's like you're getting 90 minutes of wrestling, 30 minutes of promo, and then maybe at best another hour of possible mid-card or main event angle advancement. That's really it. And it's unfortunate because at this stage of the game, they really do have the potential to deliver three awesome hours of wrestling. They do. They have enough of a roster to deliver the goods. But for some reason, it just feels like it's falling flat. The Miz and and the real American Jack Swagger had had a really good match. I think that the Miz is kind of in the doghouse at the moment. And obviously, they're trying to get Jack Swagger primed and ready for WrestleMania. Hopefully he doesn't smoke any more weed until then. But, you know, Patriot Lock in, Miz taps, moving along. So I do got to shout out something that I saw on, on Raw that was brought to my attention by by John uh, by John Blade in the, in the Buried column this week. And that's the fact that Jerry Lawler, right, he had a heart attack. He almost died. They reminded us that he almost died 17,000 times. But, you know, Jerry Lawler's eating a sweet and spicy slam. And, you know, Sonic isn't exactly heart-healthy eating. So I understand you got to shill Sonic, but holy shit, you're giving it to a guy that's that's recovering from a stroke. Anyway, Triple H is on Tout. It looks like Tout is relevant this week. And um, let's talk about this WrestleMania title shot opportunity match. Between John Cena and CM Punk. It's been a while since I've watched a Raw main event and I was at legit cheering in my house. Like I was like, holy shit. And and oh my God. And wow. And and you know, I was I was excited to be a wrestling fan. I was overjoyed to be a wrestling fan. Not only because there was incredible storytelling, but because we got to see some really great wrestling. Don't get me wrong. There were a couple of suspect spots from Cena. You know, the 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 Hurricane Rana, which was pretty much him dropping on his head practically. But it was it was ridiculous. One thing I do got to admit, there there was a portion of the match where Cena went for the STF, and clearly it wasn't the STF, and it was a crossface, and nobody acknowledged it. They were like, oh, Cena's going for the STF. No, Michael Cole, you fucking jerk job. He is going for a crossface. I understand you can't mention Chris Benoit, but a crossface is a crossface. I also was impressed with the uh, sit-out powerbomb that John Cena did. Honestly, he should use that more often because he delivered it very well. I honestly think as a secondary or, or well, secondary impact finisher, and I'm using, you know, WWE video game references, as a secondary impact finisher, that Batista, you know, that Batista bomb would be good especially because Batista isn't exactly around, it would really work for John Cena because it, it was nice. It was well executed. It looked good. And it, again, it'd be a, a great move. And honestly, I would, I would kind of retire the, 
the STF, not the STF, I would retire the attitude adjustment and go for maybe the power bomb just because it, it, it's a nice change of pace. And again, it looked good. Like I said, it was just a, a ridiculous match from start to finish. Cena closed it out with a Hurricane Rana straight afterwards into an attitude adjustment. And John Cena is going to WrestleMania. Obviously, people thought we were going to see The Undertaker, but who knows? We may see that next week, but holy shit, definitely top five John Cena match. Definitely. He doesn't have many good matches, but the ones that he has, this is one that I would definitely add to the list. I got to say, his parking lot brawl with Eddie Guerrero when he was, you know, hip-hop John Cena was probably one of my favorite matches because it was just tremendous. Um... Some of his matches with Edge definitely are up there. But again, it, I don't expect John Cena to go out there and wow me every time he's in a match. But for, for the couple of, of, of near misses he had, you know, that, that Hurricane Rana, the leg drop, which he was starting to use, the sit-out powerbomb, and, and that CM Punk pile driver, Jesus Christ. And, and for anybody who's offended by me saying, Jesus Christ, turn the, turn the channel. Um, the fact is it was, it was tremendous. I was like, holy shit, it's a pile driver. Because you know what the funny thing is? It wasn't like some some safe pile driver. It was Owen Hart to Stone Cold Steve Austin style pile driver. And and the funny thing is, a lot of sites are saying that Vince McMahon had a heart attack about it, but you gotta look at it like this. There there had to have been a lot of trust between John Cena and CM Punk for them to do that move. Because it's true. One wrong move with the pile driver, and it's lights out. It is lights out for your career with with a pile driver. And um, again, I just thought that it was it was really really well done, and just top five match for for John Cena. As for Impact, Impact, eh, I I could say that Impact was okay, but. It kind of fell short in some respects. That Hernandez-Austin Aries match was complete bullshit because Hernandez still is a little sloppy in the ring. Um, Kenny King and Rob Van Dam, obviously, Kenny King wins the X Division title. It took him a little longer than I expected, but the match was 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 really solid. And Rob Van Dam still has a lot to offer the company. Um, the teams for Lethal Lockdown, whatever, you know, Devon, Mr. Anderson, Doc, Mike Knox and Garrett Bischoff. Then, you know, Sting, Samoa Joe, James Storm, and Magnus of all people. And then, of course, the big shocker, Eric Young, which is kind of cool. Nice to see EY back in there. It was all right. Um, the gut check challenge was really cool. Ivalice Velez, um, she, had, she was um, in WWE developmental, came in, had a solid story, and, and a pretty pretty solid match as well against another uh, gut-check competitor. Of course, we had the return of Jeff Hardy because clearly, you know, when you have uh, criminal charges, you can't exactly get on a plane and go to the UK and perform. And plus, he was selling the injuries at the hand of aces and eights. Jeff Hardy and Bully Ray had a pretty solid match against Bad Influence, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. Nice way to close out the show. Um, Definitely a huge improvement from last week's shit show. And it actually makes me semi-interested in lockdown. Am I going to order it? No. But the matches were good. There were, there were, there were definitely some, some high and low points. But it was a better episode of Impact this week.
There. I said it. Shocking, isn't it? Anyway, as for the other wrestling news for this week, a couple of things that I wanted to touch on. Um, Maurice is engaged to The Miz. Congratulations, hooray. Um, as for The Rock and John Cena's match, it was crazy if you follow a lot of the wrestling community on Twitter. There were just some some really, really great comments. Lance Storm, he said, uh, since I don't get pay-per-views, this may be the best John Cena match I've ever seen. Uh, Ezekiel Jackson said, matches like these remind me why I'm a fan. Yes, especially when you're sitting at home. Uh, Shane Helms wrote, heck of a match. Props to Cena and CM Punk. I love great wrestling. Sue me. Matt Stryker, a Frankensteiner to disorient and an attitude adjustment. Wow, Cena has to have silenced his critics. No, Matt Stryker, Cena has a long way to go before he silences his critics. Simple as that. But yeah, it was it was definitely a, a really it was it was a great match, and I really enjoyed the fact that so many members of the wrestling community just really they were just being fans at that moment, and um, it it was good, man. It was a it was a solid week of wrestling. Like I said, Raw delivered, Impact was solid, and Lockdown, I'm hoping, should be good. We shall see what happens. Anyway, that's going to wrap up wrestling for this week. Uh, It is uh, 1 o'clock. We have an hour to go unless we go into overtime, but that may not be the case. Anyway, let's get into the video games for this week. All right, well, video games this week were, you know, there was some decent news that came out this week, and I know that Slick is probably going to have some stuff he's going to add. I just want to share a couple of news items with you guys. Obviously, everybody was pumped with the PS4, Hip Hop Gamer, especially when he joined us. There's a lot of great titles coming out. One of them that I'm sure Slick is going to want to talk about is Infamous' Second Son, where they gave out a, a lot of little nuggets of information including uh, the, the main character who's going to be named Delson Rowe, and his powers are going to be smoke-based. So very interesting to see that, and I'm sure Slick is going to have his take on it. Um, the Infamous games are always very interesting because they're so open-ended, and you can really have a lot of fun with them. I mean, one was enjoyable, and then two just took it to a whole other level, and I'm sure with with three, they're just going to they're gonna while out completely. I think um, switching gears and introducing a brand new character may be not to say that there isn't anything wrong with, with the characters from infamous, but I think it kind of makes people ready to embrace another character in the mythology, but who knows? Anyway, let me bring slick on so we can do uh, a little bit of back and forth on the video games. And then uh, I got some entertainment stuff to share with you guys. Let me bring Slick on. Slick, what's up, dude? What's up, man? Not too bad. Everything seems to be working good. Obviously, the mixer hasn't caught on fire. My voice sounds pretty good. Um, and, you know, Coleman, Coleman the uh, Mixler chat has been doing a great job reminding me to, to edit my levels here and there. So, not a bad night. <laughs> yeah, um... There's a lot of uh, buzz going around with the PS4 and everything, and a lot of complaints, which I really wanted to get into because how people are complaining this much when the console isn't even out yet is beyond me. 
I mean, they're complaining that no price was given, and with the rumors that it'll be between 429 and 529, again, I don't know why they're complaining when the last console was $600, why you would think it would be considerably less than that, I don't know. Well, here's here's the funny thing with the PS4, and this goes back to what I've said before, which is that it's trendy to just hate on shit. So some people just they they, they feel that they want to have something to say. Here here's how I felt, and you know I vo- I voiced it with Hip Hop Gamer, and you know, I, I I continue to say the same thing. Do I need the validation of seeing a giant plastic box that may or may not be what the system looks like? Sure. But um, I don't know if, if it's something along the lines of, oh, you know, you guys really got to gotta wow me with what the hardware looks like. Look, the specs look good. The services look good. The title lineup looks solid. It is what it is. Look, are there some things that I don't that, that I'm concerned about? Absolutely. It doesn't mean that I hate the, the fact that the console, I didn't get to see what it looks like. My concern is what I've always said. Lots of beautiful, futuristic, amazing hardware. But if you don't come out of the gate with a strong presence, it's not going to matter. That's all I'm saying. And again, am I going to buy a PlayStation 4? Absolutely. But until I, I, I can see it and, and, and touch it and, and play a demo of it, it's all the same to me, dude. For me, it's just like a waiting game. Exactly, because the system at the very earliest is no data has been given. They said holiday 2013, which means the earliest is coming out is like mid to late November. So people who complain about seeing the actual console are idiots because Sony could have just held up any piece of plastic and said, look, here it is. Could have been completely empty. And people were oh, my God, look at it. It looks like shit. I agree. They showed you the games, and that's all that matters. Because, honestly, once you get your PS4 box in your house, open it up, get through all the fucking styrofoam, get it hooked up to your TV, that's probably going to be the last time you pay attention to what the console looks like. Unless you have it, like, out in the open where you see it every day, you might even forget what the fuck it looks like. I agree. I have no because I see pictures every day of PS3s, and guess what? They don't even look like mine because I still have a launch model. No, it's the, here. I have I have my launch model as well. Um, here's here's the here's the flip side of that for me. The way I see it with regards to that is that, like I said, that you got to be trendy. You got to have something to talk about, and it's easier to talk about something negative. Did did they need to show a console? Maybe. Did they need to give us a price? Sure. But again, it's a long road to November. Very long. And and between that, you have PAX East, you have E3, E3. you got all those smaller shows in between that are going to allow Sony to just continue to just steal the spotlight in every show. Think about this. PAX East comes. Maybe they'll show some more games. Boom, more press. E3 comes. Hey, here's the console. How much is it? We're not going to tell you yet. But again, this is what I'm talking about. It's all about 
wait and see, staying relevant. It's like it's like seeing a pretty girl. Well, it's like seeing a pretty girl. You see a pretty girl, she's all dressed up. Yeah. Sure, you'd like to see her naked, but if she's dressed nice and you can appreciate her from afar, it's just as good. The PS4 is that pretty girl. I I am appreciating it from afar. Do I want to see it naked? Yes. <laughs> but, but you know, <laughs> uh, but uh, but I'll enjoy Absolutely. it. Exactly, but I'll relish the opportunity of just admiring it from afar. I admire the technology they're trying to to use. I admire the fact that they're trying to make it developer friendly. I admire the fact that they're really trying to to give us something more than the typical paint by numbers console. I respect them for that. But there's always going to be concerns. You know, the girl may get naked and she may be a dude underneath. Same thing. Thanks for that. <laughs> Bastard. And then you, you were talking about infamous, and I, I just read something today that I wanted to kind of get on. It just popped up on Facebook from the, the PlayStation uh, fan page. And that was, they're saying that Sucker Punch went on record saying that the the trailer they showed for Infamous was gameplay, was all gameplay. And I cried foul on that. As much as you know and the fans know that I love Infamous, I call a big fat load of bullshit on that. And I'm not saying that I, I doubt the game will look that good because I am absolutely positive the game will look that good. But I believe a correct statement would have been the trailer was a cinematic made mostly using gameplay, the, the in-game engine, because there's no way that that whole trailer was gameplay. Well, and it's know- not saying that that's not possible. But it's just saying that the the camera angles that were used, it would be idiotic for that to all be gameplay. Well, you hear, here's the here's the funny thing with that, and that's always been something that's always questionable. And that's the fact that you can say, oh, this is gameplay, oh, this is not gameplay. But at the end of the day, what really matters is that it's a title that gets you interested. And yeah, sure, you know they probably phoned it in in some respects. And they probably threw in a little bit of, of you know, cutscene in there and stuff like that. But with the hardware that's that's going to be driving this system, for gameplay to step up to that, I agree with what you said. It's 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 probably not that far off. Right. The the, the it's a cinematic made using the in-game engine. Some of it was actual gameplay, but it's still a cinematic. It's still a trailer. It's a mishmash. So will the game look that good? I do believe so, yes. Was that all gameplay? Absolutely not. How do you feel about um, the new the new powers? I'm a little bit bummed. And, I mean, I've been bummed since the end, end of Infamous 2. I feel it's late enough that I can speak on that. Spoiler alert for anybody who's playing the game, you might want to turn away. If you play the good side, Cole, quote-unquote, dies. If you're playing the bad side, Cole turns into the, the new beast and is like some new freaking mutant tyrant. Basically, he's like Magneto. But, I mean, 
that that the game, the way that the trailer looks, it actually seems to play off the evil ending of the game, which is interesting in itself. Because will Cole have any kind of role in the game? That's a whole other issue. Right, that might be why you don't play as Cole in the game. But again, like you said earlier, it's a waiting game. So I will wait till I play the game, which you know I will as soon as it comes out, and I'll find out. Well, one thing I wanted to, to share with you, and I know you've been waiting for this a while, is Bioshock Infinite. And they're actually releasing a season pass for the game. Um, the pass is going to run you 20 bucks or 1,600 Microsoft points. It'll give you access to three different DLC packs. Um, it's going to save the gamers, you know, it's going to save everybody 10 bucks, you know, meaning obviously each pack is going to be 10 bucks a piece. Obviously, the season pass will also get you the early bird special pack, which means that you'll get a machine gun damage upgrade, a pistol damage upgrade, a gold skin for both weapons, five infusion bottles, and four pieces of gear. Now, the funny thing about season pass is that it's always it's always kind of hit and miss in terms of whether you should invest or not. As someone who's really looking forward to it, would you would you be in that camp as someone who would drop twenty bucks on a season pass for Bioshock? I would first need to know what the downloadable content is. Like if it consists of just extra powers and stuff, I would pass. If it's going to add to the gameplay, I'll think about it. And I say that because I'm I'm with the camp that feels that DLC that's extra gameplay should be in the game when the game ships. And the fact that you're making us pay extra money for it is a big load of bullshit. I agree. Because when you have a game that you can make for PlayStation 3, that means you have at minimum, minimum, 25 gigabytes of space to work with. If the game isn't ready, don't ship it. This is true. Because, I mean, you can get up to 100 gigabytes of space on a Blu-ray disc if you really want to. No, I think... So don't tell me that you couldn't put all that on the disc. Well, it's, it's a cop-out. I think with Bioshock especially... Since it's such a crazy departure from what people have seen, become grown accustomed to with Bioshock, there's also a lot of hype behind it. So I think, you know, they're really trying to kind of lure you in with the extras to, to really get people invested more so in the franchise. Not to say that 1 and 2, Bioshock 1 and 2 weren't great, but Infinite just feels like something a little more weird. Well, Infinite's really trying to take it to another level because with Bioshock 1 and 2, the, the biggest, your biggest, like, worry in the game was always dealing with big daddies and big sisters in Bioshock 2. But it's like, now you got this thing called the Songbird, which, like, makes them look like, makes big daddies look like Glass Joe. And you have all these other crazy-ass things coming at you that are just, you know, make the splices and the big daddies look like nothing. So Infinite's really trying to take it to that next level, and I can really appreciate that because the game looks incredible. But still, I'm, I'm not on board the DLC train. I, I'm not saying I never buy it. I'm not saying I haven't bought a season pass before. But it's it's literally just forcing people to pay more money for games, and I'm sick and tired of it. 
Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely something that is is gonna do not to say it's gonna do more harm than good, but it's just something that season pass always feels like a cop out, you know? I know exactly what you mean, and and I'm there with you. That actually brings me to the one other thing I wanted to bring up with games. I mean, we just finished the American Revolution, and now Ubisoft is already talking about uh, Assassin's Creed 4 coming out at the end of this year. In fact, the date, I think, is October 29th. Well... Here's, here's the funny thing. that's only for current-gen systems because they're making PS4 versions as well. Well, here's the funny thing with that before you, you, you share your thoughts on it. People, the, the, the story, after underwhelming Assassin's Creed 3, and, and I'm not going to really go into spoiler territory, but I'm going to say this. When you invest so much energy into... Uh, the early part of the game where you play as as Haytham Kenway, and a lot of people, you know, they they were they were not happy with the way that went, and then obviously switching gears and playing as Connor. The the thing with that is that I felt that those that those two characters in in itself can provide two separate games. That's kind of I kind of felt that Ubisoft they kind of just crammed it all in there. Like Haytham Kenway, you could have done exactly what you did with um Assassin's Creed Brotherhood and kind of do a bridge game between 2 and 3 with Haytham. And that would have actually filled out a nice little a nice little gap especially when you want to focus on 4. Now the crazy thing with that is that when you beat the game, Connor's ending is really was good, but Desmond's ending, a lot of people just really felt let down. I'm not going to spoil that, but people felt let down. And and now to see four, and you know the potential for quote for pirates, there's a couple of things people are, are are kind of not thinking about either. They forget that Connor was also a ship captain in the game. Like you know, you do a lot of naval stuff with Connor and his ship, so. It might still be Connor's story, you know. And that that would make a whole lot of sense because the other thing people are saying is that, you know, you spend all these games on on EVO, and it's like you only give one game to Connor. Yep, it's not going to happen. I think. I think. Well, the the funny thing was with 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 Ezio's character is that you had so many different levels of storytelling with his character and what they did was it allowed it allowed Ubisoft to kind of take some gambles because think about it you played this amazing game in Assassin's Creed 2 and then obviously he's going to form the brotherhood so you know you can have a little fun with multiplayer then the multiplayer thing worked out and people liked it all right let's finish up his story and bring it full circle Oh, should we make it a third game? No, because this is kind of like the, the the Ezio trilogy. Nobody ever said that Connor's story was going to be a trilogy either, but I've I felt playing the game and how it ended that his story had a lot more to go and it was unfinished. I mean, I can definitely understand that, and who knows where they're going with Part Four? Because again. It's going to be a waiting game. It's almost 
we're almost as far away from Assassin's Creed 4 as we are from a PS4 launch. Well, I, in some I of the pictures... I personally think that maybe uh, Assassin's Creed 4 should have been held off till 2014, and Ubisoft should really focus their, their energies on Watch Dogs. Well, here's, here's the thing. I've been seeing it called Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Some people are saying it's called Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. If it's called Assassin's Creed Black Flag and it doesn't have a numeric title, it's probably another bridge title like Brotherhood and Revelations. So it still may be Connor's story. Well, so far, unless these are unofficial imagery, images, all the imagery for the next game, the title says a Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, I still think it's it's Connor's story, but either way, if if you if you finished Assassin's Creed three and were let down by the ending, maybe four is their attempt to rectify that. And honestly, the Assassin's Creed series has such great storytelling that I'll play a fourth game, dude. Whether whether it's at the end of twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen, the story just sucks you in to the point where it doesn't matter. The only thing that upsets people, me in particular, was the way it ended. The gameplay, people had their, their issues. Some people felt the controls were a little clunky. There were moments that it was clunky control, whatever. But the overall experience was fun. If you can tell a great story, dude, you can release the games every every year. I don't give a shit as long as you continue to deliver a quality story. I can agree with that. It's just some people were kind of feeling like Ubisoft was kind of going the Call of Duty route and releasing Assassin's Creed every year. But you know what, dude? Is that necessarily a bad thing that shows that they're invested in the product? Call of Duty is Call of Duty, and yeah, you get a new Call of Duty every year, but guess what? People still buy a new Call of Duty every year. So the same I can, people I can agree as far as as long as they keep the story going. Exactly. Keep, when the story uh, turns shitty, good writing. When the story turns to shit, dude, I'll be like, "Yo, hang it, hang it the fuck up for a little bit." True. Which has been done with games, and you know they've been revamped and reworked and came back strong. I mean, Tomb Raider. The best example is this Tuesday, Tomb Raider, which is seeing some good reviews already. It is. A lot of people are feeling that it, that Lady Lara is back in top form. The only bad things I'm hearing about the game so far have to do with the aspect of the game that makes no sense to be there, which is the multiplayer. And even that, they're not saying it's terrible. They're just like, why the fuck is this in this game? Is it is it wrong of me to say, even though it's the it's the you know the, the geek in me, that I wouldn't mind seeing a uh, a Nathan Drake, Lara Croft game together. Oh, that would be incredible, dude! If I could, if we could get Street Fighter Cross Tekken, <laughs> if we could get Street Fighter Cross Tekken, which are two different styles of games, done a certain way, I you know we could get that. We could. The only problem with that that I could see Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics not wanting to do that is because. That would have to be a PlayStation exclusive. 
This is There's true. No way that Sony is letting Drake get on the, the Xbox. Nope. But you know what, dude? Maybe this is one of those instances where you want to kind of let the exclusive rock, you know? Fan-wise, story-wise, that makes perfect sense. Yep. Money-wise, it doesn't. And that's why it won't happen. Money-wise, it doesn't, depending on how you look at it, because Uncharted makes a fuckload of money. <laughs> Agreed. You know what I mean? Like, 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 in the grand scheme of things, like, like, I can understand if we were comparing, say, Call of Duty and... I don't know, Ghost Recon. I'd be like, oh, you know, Ghost Recon makes decent money. Call of Duty makes billions and billions of dollars. So there I can understand, but it's like the Uncharted fan base and PS3 fan base will drop that dough, especially if the game is done well, where you can play as both of them together, do separate missions with each. Dude, it would it would probably it would probably take the Uncharted uh, series to a whole other level and both and both franchises get a nice you know just a shot in the arm so to speak to try something different and expand their horizons like i said street fighter cross tekken was a nice mix of both styles even though you know the the bulk of the work was handled by capcom but still i think i think and that's why as much as i i'm still you know stuck in the old days where i i I like my good one-player games versus a lot, a whole lot of multiplayer games. I would like to see, I would like to see um, Grand Theft Auto Five with the what was what we see in the trailer. I'm hoping that it has three separate playthroughs. Yep, I agree. I'd like to see three that. Three separate characters. I'm hoping that you know you can play, but not not necessarily saying Grand Theft Auto 5, but I'm hoping for games where more games that play like Dead Island where I can play my game as my character, you can play your game as your character, and we can interact. Right. I don't see that being an issue. I'd like to see that. Because if you had a game like that with Drake and Lara Croft, you know, let's say one person plays the Lara Croft version, one person plays the Drake version, you get online and you can interact your games. Yep. Dude, that would be the amazing. The one thing that Dead Island did very well is that, let's say I'm 10 chapters ahead of you, it makes me go back to where you are as a game. I agree. And I was like, I got no problem with that. Dude, I would love to see it. I think I think it would be, it, it would be a ballsy move, and it would just make people like, damn, you know? It would make it would make people hype. They'd be like, "Yo, that's crazy!" Because the concept of multiplayer games that are basically still single player games. I mean that that's something that appeals to me versus just all the multiplayer deathmatch games where you do the same thing over and over and over again. Yep, I think that dropping in and dropping yeah. out mid story. Would be fantastic, you know. If you want to do some multiplayer, somebody hops in, boom, you play as Lara, uh, hop in or play as Na- as Drake, and still complete it, and maybe even do, um, you know, trophies where where both characters complete certain missions, but it doesn't detract from the story, and you can have a lot of fun with it. 
not only that, but you know, it would it would nice it would be a bit of fan service for all those fans that are like, you know, who would who 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 takes top honors, you know, Lara Croft or, or Nathan Drake. Exactly. Well, while we're on the subject of PS4 and the 360 and crossovers, a lot of rumors are saying that Microsoft is going to drop the hammer on an announcement in April for the brand new Xbox. Of course, obviously, well ahead of E3. Um, you know, they're going to do a media event in April, and they're looking to make an impact, obviously showcasing the alleged features like, you know, 3D technology, Xbox TV, and Connect 2.0. I think I think Microsoft is smart in doing another event, you know, doing an event like that because much like Sony, they're just going to get their name out there and get people interested, and of course, succeed in in you know getting lots of airtime on the internet. I, I have no problem with that because I'm not. I would probably say if I had to choose, I probably prefer Sony, but I mean. I like both consoles for what they are. I I um, patronize both companies, and if they're gonna really go in, into a pissing contest, as you've said many times before, the winner is going to be us, yes, sir. Because they're gonna keep fighting each other to put out better and better shit. Hopefully, you know. I would I would have liked to have seen Microsoft do something this month, meaning March, because they'd be doing it right on the heels of Sony. They obviously aren't ready. That's why the rumor is April, which, you know, if, if it's a rumor from Microsoft, it was purposely leaked by Microsoft because that's how they always do that shit. But of course. But if they do something in April, I hope they really go hard against what Sony has put out I'm not even talking about visuals. Forget the graphics on the games and nope. the gameplay stuff for just a moment. Exactly. Uh, not not even hardware. Features of the system. Like Sony has it so that all the downloading that normally used to slow us down, like at the turns on a game I hadn't played in a long time yesterday, I started playing God of War again, and I had to do an update. Stuff like that being done in the background. As big as Xbox Live is, and as much they always want you to buy these games and buy this and buy that, they they need to have the console do the downloads in the background, improving the Xbox Live connectivity between players, which, granted, it's already excellent, but from what Sony showed, if that works properly, it's shitting all over Xbox Live, so let's see them come harder with the next version of Xbox Live, you know, let's see them improve just the social experience, which, honestly, Sony did that with a game because the features of Drive Club are just completely off the hook. I think the next Xbox is going to have Skype. Well, yeah, you, you mentioned that to me off, off air. And yep. I, I think that's going to definitely help as well. But like I said, I just want them to really go hard at each other. It might be that Sony has another another event, you know, after PAX East and after E3, where, you know, maybe they even treat the hardware even more or treat the, the um, PSN features even more after what Microsoft shows. And like I said, no matter what happens, 
the winner will be the consumer. Well, and I can say that's this. That's a beautiful thing. Well, you know what I'd like to see, man? The return of theater view in, next, in Netflix. Because they you took that shit that away. That never, ever worked? That, that, that never was implemented? No, it was implemented. I used to do the Minority Film Report with, uh, I did one of them with Ant via Xbox Live. We both watched the movie, and then we recorded the 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 sound, the audio after. Yeah, but that was because you both had Netflix. Right. The way the interview was supposed to work was like somebody, pretty much what they're they're showing with the with the PlayStation Four. Somebody had you know the movie going, and everybody else was able to watch. Right. Which. Which, you know, they, of course, they, they used the bait and switch by doing it where both people had to have Netflix. And I think that was more so at the request of, you know, the Motion Picture Association to prevent bootlegging. But, like I said, when they did it, you had the whole Mystery Science Theater vibe anyway, where it was inside, like, the little movie theater anyway with your avatars. So I don't know why that was such a big issue. But I'd like to see that feature, uh, you know, especially if you're trying to push social I think that can that can be something that can be extremely useful. I agree, and uh, I like I said, I just want to see. I'm very interested to see what Microsoft comes out with because Microsoft always wants to act like they're ahead of Sony and right. console wise. They never beat Sony this this round. I mean, as far as the consoles, I don't care what number, what sales say. Microsoft lost this one. Mm. The only reason why they, they had more sales was because of Xbox Live. That's what put them put them over. And they really need to to make a better console because as much as much as they had over Sony feature wise. Sony never should have caught up to them this this console generation. Yep. And the only reason why they did is because Sony had a better console. I agree. Look at how much stuff has fallen by the wayside for Microsoft this console generation. Very true. I I, I definitely don't disagree there. The original design of the system, gone. The hard disk drive, gone. It's like all this stuff is that the, the original system itself is gone. It's like there already was a new Xbox. And even though the shape of the PS3 has changed, the only thing that's come out of the PS3 were the PS2 components. Everything else is the same as what it was from on day one. Sure. And that's the other thing I, I wanted to say about the, the PS4 and the people complaining. People complaining that the PS4 will not have backwards compatibility when it launches. And to all those people who are complaining, I want to say a wholehearted shut the fuck up because it's your fault. You complained about the price of the PS3, and part of the thing that, that pushed the price up was putting those PS2 components in there. And you complained so much that so they took it out, and basically took out backwards compatibility, which quieted all the bitches. So why would they put it in the PS4? True. I mean, the big thing that they made a 
a point of pushing so many times last Wednesday is that they listen to consumers and they listen to developers. Consumers bitched about the pricing and they basically said we don't care about backwards compatibility. So why would we put it in the PS4? And I'm, obviously, I went for Sony, but I'm just saying, why would they put it in the PS4 if you said you don't care about it? I agree 100%. Right. I mean, I do care about it, but I also bought a launch model. I spent $600 on the fucking thing. Go. Well. So there you go. Well, I got It's like. Ed. I'll have I'll have a PS4 in the living room. I have a PS3 in the bedroom, and it'll be you know a done deal for me. There you have it. I have um two other bits of news to run run by you uh, before we actually wrap up the gaming segment. Um, THQ is going to sell off their remaining intellectual properties. In that list are obviously Homeworld, Red Faction. Darksiders, any other licensed software, and you know, I, it, it's just a sad end for for a company that had so many great titles. But it's just crazy because now you take a series like Darksiders and you're auctioning it off. And while I'm sure a lot of companies probably wanted to get their hands on the IP, it also opens up the possibility now that companies that were interested and felt that the asking price was too high can grab it for a steal with that with that said and obviously you know you know my love of the darksiders franchise what company would you want to see take a take a crack at the series ubisoft really ubisoft would do the game justice i actually would not want to see a company like capcom get it because as much as um I love, like, fighting games from Capcom. Capcom does not make the best single-player games. Um, companies that, that might be able to do it justice would be 2K games. Um, that, I mean... Sony could do it very well, but then it would become, you know, just a Sony exclusive property. Well, Nintendo took and Bayonetta, honestly, those bastards. What did you say? Nintendo took Bayonetta from me, those bastards. <laughs> but again, that, you know, that, that goes back to consumer preference, but that's a whole other conversation. But Nintendo, well, no. Because Nintendo's still stuck on family friendly, you know the whole family thing. So while they're they're starting to come out with with stuff with the Wii U, uh, I don't think they're there yet. But other than that, I mean, Nintendo has excellent um, writers, and they can definitely do it in the the graphics department uh, department. But I would say. My top two picks would be between like Ubisoft and uh, Sony. Yeah, I think I'd like to see Ubisoft definitely take a crack at it, just because there's a there's a tremendous you know, there's a tremendous opportunity to, to expand on the IP and have a little fun with it. 
Red Faction, I'd like to see EA do it. And, um, you know, MX is, it's, it's motocross, so man, maybe give it to, you could give that to EA also, yeah, or give it to Criterion. Either one of those would do well with it. But could you imagine if a company like Sucker Punch or Naughty Dog or even Santa Monica got their hands on Darksiders? Oh, it'd be a, it'd be a completely different ball game. The only problem with Darksiders... They would truly do the title justice, and like I said, the only problem would be for the fans who are like hardcore Microsoft um, enthusiasts. Well, here's the they other thing, too. The game. Well, that's definitely one thing. The other thing is, you know, with the departure of just the creative team, the separation of the art style, Joe Maduera stepping back, you know, the art style of the game would probably have to shift into a completely different direction at that point. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it would look bad. No, 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 not at all. Yeah, it would just look different, but, you know, it it would be, from a continuity standpoint, obviously for, for people that don't, that don't follow the industry, it would probably throw them for a loop if the game looked a lot different than it did in pre, you know, in the previous two installments. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think that the auction, the initial bids got to be submitted by April first, and the final bids got to be in by April fifteenth. So I'm sure within within that time frame, we'll know companies that are interested, and if anything, we may even know some some companies that are ahead in the bids. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Anything else you want to add, my friend? No, I, um, I wanted to check back in for the, the entertainment, but I don't know if we'll get a chance to. Well, if for any reason there's a, um, you know, we go into overtime, then we'll figure something out, and then if anything, we'll, we'll schedule it for next week. All right, man. All right, bro. Peace. Peace. If you want to follow Slick on Twitter, it's MTR Slick. You can check him out there. You can also find his articles on MyTakeRadio.com and also on our Facebook fan page. If you leave any comments um, directed at Slick, he will definitely answer them as well. All right. As Slick said, you know, there's a little uh, there's a little time on the blog talk radio side of things. It is now one fifty in the morning on March 1st, and the blog talk radio portion of the show will end at exactly 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you want to continue listening to the live show, head over to Mixler.com, M-I-X-L-R.com, forward slash MyTakeRadio, and you can listen to the live feed there in high-quality stereo sound. All right, so that wrapped up the gaming news for this week. And with that, let's talk movies. So I want to start off with some sequel news that nobody really cared about, but it just surprised me that they were going to pull the trigger with it. And um, <laughs> Slick reminded me that it's the, it is the entertainment section, but I said movies. It's a, it's a habit that's probably going to take me another six months to break. Occasionally I get it right, but it is, this is the entertainment segment. Um, obviously movies and TV are a big part of that, but yes, it is the entertainment segment. Thank you, Slick, for 
reinforcing that slick, obviously working behind the scenes to make sure yours truly gets his shit together. Anyway, on the entertainment side of things, like I said, this particular bit of news is for a movie that I saw, I enjoyed, but I really had no concern about with regards to a sequel. And that, my friends, is Rio. If you've ever seen Rio, Rio is a very, very enjoyable children's film. And yeah, you know, it's a kid's film, but I liked it. And the spe- the effects on it were tremendous. If you have a really good HDTV and you want to show off your Blu-ray or your vibrant colors, Rio is definitely a movie that I can recommend to show it off. And it's also a fun kid's flick. As of right now, according to Coming Soon, 20th Century Fox announced a voice cast for Rio 2, which is going to be in theaters April 11th, 2014. The voice cast as of right now includes Anne Hathaway, Jesse Eisenberg, Jermaine Clement, Will I Am, Tracy Morgan, George Lopez, Leslie Mann, Rodrigo Santoro, Brazilian singer uh, Bebet Gilberto, uh, Jake T. Austin, and Jamie Foxx will, of course, be returning. New voices joining the cast include Andy Garcia, Bruno Mars, Kristen Chenoweth, Rita Moreno, Amanda Stenberg, Rachel Crow, Piers Gagnon, and Natalie Morales. So, like I said, Rio Rio was a was a cool film. I liked it. Did it deserve a sequel? No. Will it probably make a hell of a lot of money? Yes. Switching gears from family friendly into comics, um, X Men First Class, of course. Matthew Vaughn is um, doing such tremendous work with X Men First Class, and everybody loved it. Seems that he is now going to be putting his efforts behind Fantastic Four from a creative sense. Uh, Matthew Vaughn, who will be joining Mark Millar, will be working on, you know, the brand new Fantastic Four reboot. Um, he's actually producing it. The film is going to be directed by Josh Trank, who did uh, who did Chronicle, and it's slated to hit theaters April, um, April spring of 2015. I'm interested to see what they're going to do with the Fantastic Four reboot because I really didn't hate the previous two Fantastic Four films. I think they were okay. They did take a couple of liberties here and there. Um, Not so much in the first film, but, well, a little bit in the first film, but more so in the second with Doctor Doom and Galactus. But the effects for the Silver Surfer were cool, and they really, there was so much potential there. I just feel that the whole dynamic of the Fantastic Four films fell flat just because they're not a group of heroes that, too many people really give a shit about. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like them. But, you know, the Fantastic Four is the, the 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 Fantastic Four to me is the equivalent of the Bionic Six. If you've watched that cartoon and you're an '80s baby, you'll know what I'm talking about. In the sense that they're they have some issues from a from a family standpoint, and it's always underlying in the storytelling. But at the end of the day, it's just a you know uh, you know Bob and Kate and little Johnny and, and Benny saving the world. You know, like it's it. There's really no, not to say there's no substance, but it's, it just doesn't grab you like like stories like Spider-Man or Captain America or the X-Men. It always feels very safe. I don't know. I mean, I've always felt that way about the Fantastic Four, but it's, um, I don't know. I think it's lacking in that sense. I think there's there's aspects of that that are definitely lacking. Um, I want to get into the box office totals and, I'm going to try and experiment and bring Slick in before um, the show wraps up. If for whatever reason Slick gets cut off, like I said, the live component of the show will still be on the Mixler side and we'll be switching over to that completely at 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So 
Let me bring him in for some of this entertainment stuff, and maybe we can wrap things up. We shall see. All right, Slick, before we get into some of this stuff, I just want to go over the box office totals. A non a non shocker just because the box office is completely fucking dead. Identity Thief was number one. Snitch came in at number two. Escape from Planet Earth was three. Safe Haven was four. A Good Day to Die Hard was five. Dark Skies was six. Silver Linings Playbook was seven. Warm Bodies was eight. Side Effects was nine. And Beautiful Creatures was number ten. Obviously, it's a disappointing opening for Dark Skies. Um, you know, the film had a low budget of three and a half million dollars. It made 8.9. Not, not the worst thing ever. Die Hard had a $92 million budget and you know, it's a 60% drop. And the funny thing is it's earned $131 million worldwide and it had a $92 million budget. But on the U S side of things, it's really not that great. Well, the dark skies, I mean, is anybody really surprised? I mean, regardless of all the hype that they put into that, the biggest thing about the movie was the scene where you see what I would figure to be an alien in the kid's bedroom. Right. And honestly, does anybody want to see another sign? No, I, I, I definitely agree with that. So... Not to shit on the movie, really, but um, fuck that movie. Well, you got to look at it with with the amount of money it <laughs> took to make it, and the fact that it's made nine million dollars, it's still profitable. That's not even taking away. Oh from- yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy for the people that made it that is profitable, but still, fuck yep. that movie. Well, here's here's two bits of casting news that are that are definitely in in the what the fuck category. Check this out. So IGN reported. That Jason Momoa, who I said was in the was pretty much a lock for Drax the Destroyer, was negotiating the terms of him taking the role, and the dude passed on the role. Apparently, damn. According to what they said, he was offered the role. His rep countered Marvel's initial offer, so now Marvel has to retest the actors that they originally looked at which were, you know, Batista, Brian Patrick Wade, and Isaiah Mustafa. But Jason Momoa, it's not like he's exactly burning up the box office. Homeboy, he did Cal Drogo in Game of Thrones. 90 seconds. There goes the English lady yelling that I have 90 seconds. Um, he did Stargate Atlantis, and then he did Conan and Bullet to the Head, both of which fucking honestly bombed at the box office. Here's a chance for you to make some real bread in a Marvel film, and you're, you're negotiating. <laughs> you're negotiating you you have Conan and bullet to the head on your resume 60 seconds I don't know man dude it's it's a trip it is a, a trip the lady said we got 60 seconds like I said mixler.com forward slash my take radio hopefully slick doesn't get dropped and um Joe will go on so besides Absolutely. that Bloody Disgusting is saying that James McAvoy may be taking the lead for a remake of The Crow. James McAvoy. Why do we need a remake of The Crow? There were like 8 million Crow movies. 
Why do we need James McAvoy? Why do we need basically the equivalent of Frodo as the crow? <laughs> Come on, man. Every time I look at him, he looks like a hobbit. Even when he was the Professor Crodo. X. <laughs> exactly, Crodo. There you go, Crodo. Ten seconds. Ridiculous. Above, above that, it's the fact that, you know, you have, for all intents and purposes, a, a film that, again, much like the sequel to Rio, doesn't require another film. It's absurd. It's not what the fuck movie news, it's who gives a fuck movie news. Yes, there it is. So, obviously, it seems that Blog Talk Radio is recording the overtime of the show, and you're still on. You're still on with me. Hopefully, the people on the Mixler side of things can can hear you as well. But um, other than that, the show the show's moving along quite well. So yeah, Jason Momoa negotiating with Marvel like a tool, and James McAvoy as the Crow, both of which are completely insane. On the flip side, in some small screen news, though. Kathy Bates is going to be joining the cast of American Horror Story for season three. Which is funny. I like it could work. I mean, that, that show is just good at taking anybody and just twisting them. Well, not only that, but they also, they also like to reuse a lot of their cast members. Obviously, a lot of the cast members from the first and second season are still going to be in this upcoming season. So it's all good either way. I'm just noticing a, a trend with just entertainment in general that they tend to give people what they don't want or didn't ask for and take away the stuff that they do want. That's that's definitely a good way to look at it. Because what I originally called in about was in regards to a lot of TV decisions that I'm seeing lately one of which, you know, you all know is near and dear to my heart, the upcoming, well, not upcoming, it's already done, but uh, Young Justice, the, the television show, is only three episodes away from, from um, ending. And <clears throat> another show, which is just as well written, that's just being taken away, which is an even bigger shocker, is... Uh, Tron Uprising, which That's pretty much is already dead. That show's so a travesty. Heard? That show It's a travesty that they're doing that because I actually caught episodes on your recommendation, and I was just blown away, not only by the style, but at the level, the deep level of storytelling that they involved, that was involved in the, in the entire um, few episodes I saw. I'm like, damn, they went really in, and they worked really hard to tie it in to the movies and the and the overall mythology. It was a lot of homework, you know? Because what he called, um... I mean, it, it blew my mind primarily because out of all the shows that Disney airs, this is one of their, their original franchises. This isn't even something they bought. This is one of their franchises. Right. And they basically... They basically went went hitman on it. Like they purposely murdered it. They moved it to midnight on a Sunday without any kind of notification. And 
while the series isn't officially canceled, even the creators of the show have no idea whether or not it's coming back. Which essentially says it's dead. And supposedly Disney's excuse is that they want shows on Disney XD, which is supposed to be like the more extreme version of Disney, to appeal to the children between the ages of 2 to 14. Which begs the question, why the fuck did you even put this this show on this channel in the first place? I agree. And again, even more begs the question, why are you canceling it? Because even with the more mature subject matter, the game, the show is basically... It's, it's within the hard drive of a computer system. Nobody dies. Nope. Because the characters aren't, in our sense of the word, alive. This is true. So there's no blood involved in the, in the show. Even if a person gets scarred, it's like you just see them pixelate in the place where they were hit. So... How do you cancel shows like Tron, Tron Uprising, and Young Justice? Even if let, let's, for argument's sake, say it's for the same reason that they were too adult for the time slot and for the channels that they're on. And I raise the the argument again, and keep a show like Star Wars on, Star Wars: The Clone Wars. I'm like, it's not okay to see a person get shattered into pixels, but it's okay to have General Grievous stab people through the heart and behead them with a lightsaber and have freaking storm clone troopers gun people down, all this stuff. Like, it's one of the most violent, quote-unquote, it is the most violent children's show on television. This is true. But Clone Wars is in its fifth season. Young Justice gets canceled in two. And Trump Uprising doesn't get to finish one. So it's it's a weird turn of events when it when it comes to to, to small screen stuff because you know uh, sometimes diehard fans can keep a show on its last legs. Sometimes it can't. It, it's it's a it's a weird weird dynamic. You know, it's like what happened with the, you know Firefly is a good example of that. And Young Justice is suffering because. It's like the creators are doing everything they can to try to finish the story. Right. Because the, the show wasn't even given a full season run. Like, it's ending at 20 episodes into the second season, but normally it would be 26. Yep, it's a rush to the finish. It's and crazy. It's crazy. the show has always been written so well. Like, the last few episodes... They just feel either forced or just not written as well. I don't know, man. And it's crazy. I mean, then in other news, switching gears for a quick second, it's like yesterday in the comic world, you have the death of Damian Wayne. You have excellent timing. Second time. What happened? You have excellent timing that you brought that up because I actually wanted to discuss that a little bit. Yeah, it's the second time he's killed off a Robin 
And this time, he killed off a Robin when nobody wanted him dead. I mean, with Jason Todd, the fans basically voted for him to die. That is true. Nobody asked for Damian Wayne to die. Nope. Nobody asked. And like I said, they invested so much energy into making making him good that you know, they just they just kind of threw in the towel, so to speak. But you know, it's just a very strange time that we're in for entertainment. Well, on with regards to that, and you know, you talking about Young Justice. Here's something that it not that it wasn't surprising, but the fact that it became news. Deadline reported that Nickelodeon renewed Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for a third season. What do you think? I didn't realize it even had finished a second. Yep. Renewed for a third. The show just started last year. Yep. I don't know how they're doing I the seasons they, for that. They're going into their second season, but they've already been renewed for a third. I, I mean, I, get, I, I would get that one. Right. Well, that's easy because they made the the show so. They have made the show even more kid friendly than before, and the merchandising is through the roof. So, and I'm sure. Yeah, I, use, I see that easy. They're, and they're all probably going to use that as a launch pad for that, you know, to tie into that stupid Michael Bay Turtles reboot. Ugh. You know that's another reason. Mind you, we still don't know the future of Thundercats either. Oh, Thundercats is done. Oh, it is done. Thundercats is dead. Unfucking believable dude. I had no clue. I'm here waiting like an ass. <laughs> no, Thundercats is dead. The creator said that they would... Basically, the creative team has disbanded. Wow. But I, I wasn't surprised by that at all. I'm just disappointed that it came to that. And I, I knew it was going to happen because the writing was so... Mixed. Off. It's like you had less than half the... It was a full 26-episode season. Less than half the episodes had to do with the actual story. So you had a shitload of filler and a story that should have been comprehensive, but it was just disjointed because you kept getting thrown off of it. Yep. Anything involving Wiley Kid and Wiley Cat in the stupid town, jumping in that stupid bag. Wiley Kid and Wiley Cat and their magic bag of dicks. Pretty much. Killed the, killed the Thundercats. That, that's pretty much it. I got I got um. One last bit of small screen news and some casting news to wrap wrap things up. You will be excited to know that FX ordered a fifth season of Archer. <laughs> Thirteen episodes Not for the show. Not at all. Very happy about that. If you seen, if anybody has seen tonight's episode where they were working in a a restaurant, I mean, they're not surprised at all that they're gonna have a fifth season. Yep, thirteen episodes for the show's fifth season. That's. Um... They read, they averaging about 2.3 million views. The best that the, the best numbers that the show's pulled yet. 
Season 5 is expected to air around the first quarter of 2014. Season 4 will wrap April 11. There you have it. As as I said, when I started using the Shazam app on my Android phone, which actually works pretty well, and as I said, when I, I tagged the show on there, it's the best comedy on TV right now. Any show that can get away with telling a guy to his face that you look like a T-Rex's tampon. Yeah. Exactly. You deserve, you deserve a gold star, Sterling Archer. Exactly. You deserve a gold star, you deserve, Duchess. You deserve five seasons. Nice work there, Duchess. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. All right. Um, to wrap things up, some casting news for Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, Chris Cooper is going to be playing Norman Osborn in Amazing Spider-Man 2. So, for those not familiar, you can IMDB him. He's appeared in The Muppets, The Town, and Adaptation. So, he's joining, of course, Dane DeHaan, who is going to play Harry Osborn, probably... They're not probably going to turn him into the Green Goblin, but they'll probably start him out, you know, kind of like in the mentor role and then, you know, flip the switch. And for all intents and purposes, based on Mark Webb being very busy on Twitter, looks like we are going to be seeing the Rhino in this film with Electro. So, you know, regardless of how I feel about the actors playing the characters or how they're going to do them, I, I admire the fact that they're kind of digging into some of Spidey's other rogues, but also maintaining that, you know, the shadow of the goblin is, is, is definitely looming. And who knows, maybe a little sinister six action, if all goes well, because that kind that's kind of what it feels like. Yep. That's kind of what it feels like though, because think about it. You already got Connors involved. You're in the first one. The, the you, you got Harry, popping up in the second and Norman popping up in the second. Then you're getting the other pieces being Electro and Rhino. You know, you need the other three and you're, and you're straight. I'm just, I'm, I'm with, for once I'm with the internet naysayers on the whole choice of Mary Jane Watson. I don't think the pictures have done her justice. I, the first thing I did was to Google her, and I, I can't think of her name right off the top of my head. But Shaleen, I, I Shaleen Woodley. Her. What was it? Shaleen Woodley. Right. I Googled her and looked at many different pictures of her. She is a pretty girl. She's just not on that Mary Jane level. And some people say, well, this is supposed to be high school. A chick not supposed to be that hot. I'm like, Mary Jane was always hot, even in high school. And regardless of the fact that we're supposed to be looking at high school characters, we all know these people are over 18, they're over 21. So don't give me that shit. And there are people, there are plenty of other actresses that you can pick. And I'm not trying to down this girl. I mean, again, she is pretty. She just doesn't have that Mary Jane look. Right. And 
even just the name Mary Jane, like, if you just think of songs about Mary Jane, it always gives off that idea of just that beautiful, beautiful girl next door. And Celine Woodley just doesn't convey that. And I'm sorry. I, I hate to diss the girl like that, but it's just true. There's so many other people that you could pick. I mean, you could just pick somebody off the street, basically. I mean, pick a beautiful girl and give her some damn acting lessons. The movie's not coming out till next year. Oh, you're this right. Is, a rel- is, is basically a relative unknown. You know, I'm not saying she's not done anything, but she's not that popular. And I just feel that they could have chosen better because, I mean, people are even saying that it would have made more sense to use Emma Stone as Mary Jane, which, considering her normal hair color, is red. I got to agree with that. You know, it, it's weird. I think, I honestly, I don't want to downplay the work that this particular actress is doing as Mary Jane because, you know what, considering how... how yeah, I've seen it yet. Right, but not even that, dude. Considering how phoned in Kristen Dunst did it, Oh my god! You know, dude, dude, you could take you could take the doll from Child's Play and put a dress on it, and call it Mary Jane, and it would probably do a better job. That that's that that's how I feel. What my big concern is, you know, you're starting to put all these pieces together to quote unquote possibly create the Sinister Six, and you know, they they they're they're failing to re- to realize that. Besides hurting Spider-Man 3 being hurt by lame-ass Venom, the focus was disjointed because you had to allocate screen time to, you know, Green Goblin 2 and Sandman and Venom. Now, that's not to say that they can't do it with the Sinister Six because you can use an Avengers approach, but it's it's going to take more work because... With the Avengers, you can sell it because you have different personalities and they're com- they're coming together for a singular purpose. With the with the Sinister Six, those guys came together for a singular purpose, that being kill Spider-Man. But they all had their secondary agendas as well. But if they take the time to build it up and then have a movie where they're all on screen at once, then it'll work. It'll work for a fourth why- film. Not a third. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But I was I was just saying that um that was that was the reason why Spider Man three didn't work properly because you had three brand new characters in terms of a movie. One that was just completely ass in in um quote unquote new goblin. One that was like the crybaby, and like Sandman spent the whole movie complaining, it's not my fault. And, you know, Venom, who just wasn't really sellable as Venom. Dude, it was, it was, you know, it's like fucking that 70s shit. <laughs> That's it all just, it was. He, he just was not a convincing Venom to me. No, sir. Well, he wasn't. But you know. he wasn't violent enough. He wasn't vicious enough. It's like 
I don't know. The way, to me, Harry was more vicious than Venom. I agree. Definitely. Uh, Harry sucked. There was definitely more aggression with, with the Harry Osborn character than with the Venom character. You got this character that has the powers of Spider-Man, and basically, there was like, they could have done at least a chase scene. Venom chasing Spider-Man through the, you know, through the, like the, like, swinging through buildings and stuff, but no, you had that one fight, which was whatever. Sure. I'm not even going to Spider-Man 3. Fuck that movie. Nah, let's not, let's not <laughs> even, even do it. I, even though I kind of liked it, fuck that movie. There you go. Well, ladies and gents, that actually wraps up the show for this week. Obviously, if you want to keep up with Slick, at MTR Slick on Twitter. You can also hit him up on our Facebook fan page and, you know, comment on his articles. Sure, I'm sure he would love to hear from you. <laughs> Anything else you want to add? No, I'm good for tonight, man. All right, my dude. I will catch you later. All right, man. Peace. Peace. As I said, that brings this week's episode of My Take Radio to a close. You've just heard My Take Radio episode 175 for Thursday, February 28th, 2013. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of MTR, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. You can also hit up our feedback line, 347-815-0687. That's 347-815-0MTR. Last but not least, of course, social media. You can find us on Twitter at mytakeradio. MySpace, we're there as well. I need to actually update our MySpace page. Hopefully, I will get that done this weekend. Become a fan on our Facebook fan page, facebook.com forward slash mytakeradio. Ask us questions on Formspring. We do check it on occasion. Formspring.me forward slash MyTakeRadio. And, of course, add us to your circle on Google+. And if you want the full MTR experience, make sure to pick up the MyTakeRadio app available for Android and iOS devices. For Android, you can pick it up in the Amazon Marketplace. For iOS, of course, good old reliable iTunes. You can also listen to MyTakeRadio via Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, Zoom Marketplace, which is now, I guess, Windows Phone Marketplace, TuneIn Radio, and good old reliable iTunes. We ask that if you are getting the show from iTunes, please take a moment and rate the show. We'd really appreciate it. Helps the show appear higher up in the listening brackets and above all else, gets us seen by new listeners. So there you have it, guys. On behalf of myself, Slick, Ben, and the rest of the MTR crew, I will catch you guys next week. I think this week I've been on the fence with regards to what kind of closing out music we were going to use for this week because there's I, I wanted to do some stuff with the maniac agenda, but I know I you I they closed us out the last two weeks and they're actually going to be joining us hopefully within the next week or two. So I'm thinking we are going to go with some. You know what? Let's go with Street Fighter 2's Frets of Fury from ocremix.org. You can get any of the other OC Remix music by hitting ocremix.org. Catch you guys next week. Peace.